Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast coming to you. It's been a little while. I've missed a, maybe a more, couple episodes if I'm thinking I was talking to my guest and I said, I know I've missed, I've missed a few, uh, but it comes as it comes. And uh, if this is the first time you come upon this podcast, I want you to know this is primarily 12-step recovery. Uh, I do have guests that have recovered in other various ways too, so that you might want to listen to. Um I hope that you've come across the channel when you're ready to uh, maybe give it up and, and hear this message of, of a way to do it. Uh, there's probably other ways to get sober. I don't know of any of the other ways. I know this one, and I know that it can work, and uh, that's the reason for this podcast is to testify to that message. Uh, 12-step spiritual recovery. Let's say you're not an alcoholic or an addict and you want to harness these same tools. We have a program here in the Louisville, Kentucky area called 12-step Re- spiritual recovery. We acronym it TSSR. It is for anybody who wants to harness these steps as a, as a new way of life. Uh, we watch people come in and so uh, it, it, the 12 steps have worked for millions of people and there's probably a hundred different fellowships using them. Uh, but there's never really been one to my knowledge that is for anyone they, you know they usually you have to fit into a box to fit into 12-step recovery you have to fit into the overeater box the narcotics and honest box the cocaine and honest box the uh, um, al-anon and uh, tssr just says come as you are and uh, work these steps and practice these principles and i can guarantee you that your life will get better uh, there's a book out there called 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. It can be found on Amazon, and there is a webpage, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery, and you can find the meeting schedule on there. Thank you for allowing me to get that part out of the show, and uh, we'll get to the business at hand. My guest today, I really I loved getting to know people across these microphones. Uh, it's just an easy medium to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I saw a meme once that said, let's quit telling each other how busy we are. And uh, life is busy today. The world we live in is pretty busy. And uh, to sit down and be able to have a a conversation of this nature uh, takes some time. So I'm glad Alex has given me that time today. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, we don't know each other. I did see him in one meeting because I heard him uh, give a guy a token one night while I was at a meeting. Mm -hmm. And uh, and a couple people have come to me and said, you should get Alex on the show. And when... uh, I listened to the messages being sent to me today. Uh, there's there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't ignore those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in, man. I always like to start off with the guy's sobriety date. Yeah, so I've been sober since September the 19th of 2012. So I think this year should be 11 years. That's a good bit of time. Yeah, yeah. Sober. I think that this... Um, year would mark like what do they call it whenever you have more clean time than drinking time oh really yeah i think that's what this year is uh, yeah so it's there probably is a term for that somebody uses yeah uh, one of those terms yeah. so pretty cool man i might have to live to be old to get there yeah <laughs> i got sober at 45 oh uh, well you know, still got 53. time yeah i still, still got time and my genes uh my my ancestors lived um, my father's mom and uncles, which would have been her brothers, there were I think four of them, and they all lived to be a hundred or over. Oh, you got good genes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, plus your dad is at his age mowing yeah, grass and yeah, everything still. So. At that age, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was, we were talking about some estate planning kind of stuff today, and I, I hate that kind of talk. Uh, but I don't think we're anywhere near needing that yet. Yeah. Uh, not by the way he's acting. Right. 
So cool. Yeah, more more you're sober than drinking, and that, but that's a big milestone. And uh, it's been a good ride. Yeah, yeah. Life's much better this way. Where'd you grow up at? Um, I grew up here in Louisville. Yeah, I grew up here. Brothers and sisters. Um, I have one. I have one older sister. Yeah, I grew up in. Um, Fuck, just this this family setting where it was, um, you know, me and my older sister and then my dad's current wife and three other children. But it's interesting because I don't talk to them anymore. So, hmm. yeah. <laughs> so um, the, when, when did your mom and dad get divorced? How I was probably mean? like a toddler. Really? I was yeah, five. No, yeah. yeah. And I'm 34 now. So. Um, I was talking about the bell ringer thing of what the age we start using and uh, uh, and I guess it's just a thing today you know divorce is a thing there's not yeah. many people that are not divorced but dude I'm going through one right now oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. well I don't know I would tell you that it was one of the hard definitely one of the hardest things that I had ever gone through but I wasn't sober okay and I made it I was trying to be sober and uh and and it took me went off the rails again as a result of the divorce I couldn't I could not stay sober I imagine that it would probably yeah be worse than sober it's pretty intense yeah the damn tools and the damn support no it's um it's a very functional thing it's a very functional problem to get through um and you know you don't have to do it drinking, you know, at least I'm trying not to. Um, but yeah, I actually made that decision because we have a son and uh, he just turned one. Congratulations. <clears throat> Thank you. Happy birthday. I know, yeah. I kind of feel like that responsibility or whatever should have been geared more towards me because like keeping a human alive especially that first year of life is fucking hard it is it is so hard but um, um raising the child is the I, I don't know of anything that equates to powerlessness as much as dude that now i get it <laughs> and then like this new transition of kind of doing it by myself i mean his mom is very much in his life and everything and i'm very grateful that she is a very present person and my god does she love that kid um but doing it like at home by myself is like fucking hard yeah. <laughs> it's so hard but uh <clears throat> i was saying that whenever um i initiated my divorce um my wife and I, we just had like a toxic environment for our kid. And like, granted, he's so little, you know, but um, they get older and then they'll start learning and picking up that shit. So um, making that decision was so hard. But I think with the little creature <laughs> of my son involved, it made it much easier to like create a more stable environment for him which yeah. was like removing myself from the picture so um like going through that i had like mixed emotions and sometimes like sobriety it's so beautiful but it can feel really intense at least for me <laughs> so um there were a lot of like intense moments so far but even just walking through many other experiences in my life i found that sometimes like well, I think 50% of the success that I've had is like showing up, you know, and sometimes that really is the hardest part. Um, 
so I've just kind of kept showing up and not drinking and we're going to get there. <laughs> so how old were you when you started using? Do you remember when you, Fuck uh, yeah. most people remember their first time? And Yes, I do. It's, um, actually I do remember my very first time and you know, it's like, do you ever have, um, this memory that you cannot really put into place it's almost or or you can't really objectify the memory you just know it's there it's almost like this uh this dream that just never goes away so like I had one of those whenever I was probably toddler age and um you know the memory is I was in a corner and I was drinking wine coolers and I was in this apartment my mom's apartment when there was a lot of like people around and I was just getting drunk you know off these wine coolers because I thought it was like some kind of you know sprite kool-aid or some shit um but I remember doing that and feeling very just um alone you know alone and kind of scared and shit like where's my mom type shit I've never felt this way before Mm -hmm. Uh, who are all these people Yeah. yeah yeah and my um my upbringing was like, it was like kind of rough, you know, like my mom, she was a stripper. So she was a stripper for like 20 something years. So like me wow. growing up in a bar was not an abnormal setting, you know? So like, I remember I would go into the bars, uh, you know, like 10 years old or something. And, you know, I would see a woman, you know, dancing on a pole and a couple guys like at the bar and it was almost like this gloomy kind of atmosphere where you weren't supposed to be there because like on the outside it's like a beautiful spring day but in here it's like super low-key and chill and it just felt bad you know like it felt like I wasn't supposed to be there and uh the, you know there's a guy like sipping alcohol at the bar and they were smoking cigarettes in there and it just seemed cool so um I was always kind of influenced in that in that matter. Yeah, that's what um, <clears throat> like drinking was normalized for me. Neither mm-hmm. my neither one of my parents are alcoholics. My mom was a prescription pill fan. Really, uh, but I didn't see that right. You know, I really not until later on in life did I recognize that. And I don't know how much impact it had on me, but I know that everybody, you know, drinking was like a rite of passage. That's mm-hmm. what uncles and aunts did when Thanksgiving was going on, you know, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was an everyday thing, but it was certainly, I call it normalized, you know, in mm-hmm. the way, uh, I had no idea right, <laughs> what yeah. it was going to do to me. Yeah. Nobody said, Hey, watch out. <laughs> right. I remember being very attentive to that and just very attentive to the lifestyle of that and very curious. Yeah. Yeah. And then my mom actually was, she was quite a, an enabler during that time. So I think as a kid, you know, I really did see it as okay. You know, like yeah. I did like normalize, like you said, the setting of it, um, which became confusing like over time. Yeah. Um, it's wow. That's a, that's probably as early. I, I try to, there's, you know, 284 of these, mm-hmm. uh, not that I can pretend to remember, but that's about as early as a memory that, you know, when you're, <clears throat> I can, I, 
like I can remember some events that happened when I was like around three, mm-hmm. you know, but they were like anchor events, you know, sure. like things that like when we moved to this house, I remember right. that I can remember that event. Right. Uh, I really couldn't tell you. The only reason I know how old I was the first time I got drunk is because I know what grade I was in. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it was great buddies that 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 invited that said hey, because I took the sips off the top of you know <clears throat> it was fun to get Uncle Tony a beer he'd tell kid you know grab me another beer right right yeah you know and uh, and you'd take sips of it and you know and was uh, like enabled you know was encouraged <clears throat> you know they were not they weren't gonna like let you have one. Mm-hmm. But they'd let you have a drink. Yeah, yeah. Another uncle would let me stick my finger in his whiskey and water uh-huh. and taste it. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, that probably was not real good. You know, when we think about the, whatever this allergy is mm-hmm. that we have, that once we get it in our system, mm. uh, it's like lighting off the allergy. I think about that. You know, you watch people, and I was thinking, mom, was I lighting off the allergy? I got hurt a bunch when I was a little kid. So I would get my mom would always make sure and see these things, these memories that only have come to light. I didn't have any idea what was going on then. All I mm-hmm. knew is I broke my leg, you know. Mm-hmm. And when the doctor said, "Do you want pain pills?" Mom said, "Yes, he does." Mm. <laughs> oh no, shit! Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, and and I did. There was, that was no kidding. I really did, you know. And mom would be very careful with how she gave those, distributed those to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would remember getting a few days till and then I'd get transitioned to ibuprofen or Tylenol yeah. or something. And uh, and <clears throat> who knows what happened to the rest of the pills? I don't right. know. Um, but those, what I think about, and I'm not putting blame. And uh, this is one thing I've learned here: this is not a blame game thing. You're not blaming your mother. I right. can hear it. Right. Um, no. But there are uh, catalysts. Mm-hmm. There are things that happened. God, yeah. That that led me to you know, and I'm because pain pills were you know al- alcohol and opiates was my favorite things. Mm, God, me too. Uh, give me a combination of that, man. And Just if put I could it give all me a lifetime supply, man, and yeah. I'll be I will be okay the rest of my life. Yeah, I thought I would. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but that's interesting that you brought about like the catalyst or these situational things that happen in the alcoholics like upbringing. And I remember um, whenever you were talking about lighting the allergy um i remember the first time when i got like wasted you know um i think i was 12 or 13 years old and at this point like i was already smoking weed like it was you know like we did that all the time and actually the first joint i ever smoked was with my mom Mm -hmm. and i was about 12 or 13 and then um oh so we were um we were just hanging out, you know, like watching Friday, just kind of being uh, dazed and confused. And then uh, I went to go get some Big Red in the refrigerator. And then I went to put the Big Red on the rocks, opened up the freezer, and I saw this bottle of Heaven Hill Vodka. And I just was just like curious what it would be like to drink it with the Big Red. You know, I've never, I'm not a mixologist at this point. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I just put a little bit of the Heaven Hill Vodka in there. And then I drank it. I went out to living room and I drank it and you know I remember feeling this like texture of a burn in the big red and I was like damn this shit is spicy and it feels good like I just like the texture of it going down my throat so I quickly drank it and then I made another trip there to the refrigerator and I did that trip about six times but then I was um, decreasing the big red but increasing Mm. the heaven hill vodka and I don't even know how to drink at this point. You yeah. know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, really. <clears throat> Until six or seven glasses later, then I started getting, like, the spins because we were smoking weed and everything. Like, 
and I'm just like low key. Nobody else knows you're doing. No, no, no. There's probably about six or seven of us in this living room watching Friday and then next Friday and just repeat and just like be in stone. But I'm low key getting wasted, and then I started getting the spins. And then I was like, holy shit, I'm going to get sick. Mm. (laughs) So I stand up and I go out to the bathroom and then I just like vomit everywhere. And then my mom comes in and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I looked at her. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) you know, and then. um, But then the allergy was ignited because and I didn't know this at the time. But like as soon as I threw up, I was ready to drink more. Mm. I'll never forget it. Like I wanted to do more. And it's interesting because I didn't know of alcoholism. I didn't know what alcoholic was, but I was just um, engaging in that attitude. based off like the, the previous catalyst that yeah. had happened already in my life. That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, I've puked all over the place the first time I got drunk too. It was actually the, some of the more of this trippy stuff. It was at this table. Oh no shit. In this living room, in this house. Uh, when I was in the seventh grade and we got together and, and I, and that tended, that started to be a thing for me over time as I overshot the mark I would you know find you know find that perfect balance where you're good <laughs> yeah and, and and can like hold that level and I don't I think that's probably an impossibility actually but uh, I, was I was always interested in going like, over the edge <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah I would drink to oblivion I would yeah. I would go over the edge you know I'd be the guy that they'd be waking me up at the concert saying it's time to go right you know because I passed out in the seat you know and it's freaking pantera or who knows who you know it's not like it's a a violin music playing it put me to sleep right or at bars we go to bars and i'd have to find you know whoever was driving get your keys and go pass out in the back seat you know and at some point in the night i'd get dropped off at home you know and i would just constantly be the guy who was overshooting the mark yeah and uh and you know puking turn that down a little bit yeah go for it so did you tell her what that you were doing that night? Did you? Yeah, I was like, Mom, I think I'm drunk, you know. <laughs> and she was just like, when the fuck did you do that, you know? <laughs> what do you mean you think? like, you know, seven minutes ago. <laughs> uh, but um, the responsibility of that or the accountability of getting drunk was like nothing. It was... No trouble, no big no, deal, no. No, Yeah. I mean, I don't really know exactly how she may have uh, articulated that experience for her, but, yeah, it wasn't, like, a big deal. Yeah, I never got in trouble by my parents' fort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, before I was old enough to buy, Yeah. Uh, at times, my dad would get it for us, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't, like... He, he, you know, he'd get me and my cousins a case of beer or something, or we'd be going camping or going mm-hmm. someplace, and I was allowed to drink the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd get DUI, and I'd kind of, you know, I knew I'd done wrong, right? But mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, they paid for the lawyers, and they got me out of trouble, and uh, and I never really got any heat from them, which mm-hmm. ended up being good at the end because they were like, you know, my specifically my father's support in my sobriety is huge too you know it's a funny thing you know it's on one level but i know mm-hmm. you know being a parent now mm-hmm. uh, what do you do what i know today that there is nothing in the world that i could have done to stop my daughter from using if she didn't want to stop nothing i mean even to the point that if she'd become homeless and we kick her out and you know whatever she's 
doing everything in order to get more drugs. Mm-hmm. There would be nothing in the world that I could do to stop her. Uh, and I know that was the same case for me. Yeah. I mean, it's just so powerful, you know, this addiction shit. Um, I call it a parasite. Yeah. It's like a computer virus. It hijacks your operating system. Yes, and dude. And you are not in control anymore. That's yeah. Why when you see a new guy and he's coming in, you know, it's like, you know, how. Uh, <laughs> How dumb. <laughs> it's yeah. not really dumb, though. That, I could tell that the, the parasite has them hijacked. <clears throat> and, and the person I'm looking at really is not mm-hmm. what's inside of there. Mm-hmm. That's really that. interesting that you said that, though, because um, I find myself in situations like that as well. Whenever, um, like, say if I, uh, you know, I'm in a, a meeting setting and somebody is sharing and... Um, you know, maybe I want, they're like, I want to go drink, you know, I know I just got a DUI and I got kicked out of my house or whatever happens. And, um, I would just think like, that doesn't make any sense to go drink though. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what the fuck is that going to do for you? <laughs> you know, but I, I, I get it. Like, I understand that. Cause I've even been there in being sober where I almost drank actually quite a few times. Mm. And, um, but it's interesting to have that revolutionary change, like in the way that you think, you know, it's like, that doesn't make sense to do that, no. you know, yeah. like. But we hear it every day, you know, I mean, it's a regular thing to hear that insanity. Yes. <clears throat> uh, if you, you know, and I need that. It's one of the reasons why I go to meetings, so I can stay. I think that's one of the ways we forget we're alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dude, yeah. You stop hanging around green alcoholics and you forget that you were once doing that same shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can talk myself into thinking I'm not like that anymore. Mm-hmm. That was a phase. As right. As said earlier. Or get so normalized in, in sobriety, at least for me, like, because this is the way I live now, you know, like I just don't roll like that anymore but it has become normalized to where sometimes i just dismiss a little bit more gratitude Mm -hmm. and 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 humbleness towards being a sober person like it's truly humbling to be a sober person um so it's it's yeah very refreshing to be next to that type of common sense yeah yeah Yeah. um i had a thought the other day about like the <clears throat> the newcomer energy too when they first like when I first got sober the you know I was beat down you know I was wore out mm-hmm. I was wore out from mm-hmm. too many years of drinking and doping mm-hmm. and like when a sufficient amount of time came of sobriety and my system start functioning again you know my dopamine system is starting to function like it's supposed to again and, and <clears throat> other systems that are inside of me are starting so I like feel high again yeah. I feel really, really good. Right on, yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. almost too good. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what the fuck's going and, on? And and over the past few years, I felt that taper back off again, you know? And yes. like, this is the new normal again. Yeah. It ain't near as exciting as the, I'm not having the life that two to three year old sober guys have. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He, he is fired up. He looks like he's high. Right. And I've reverted back to this is the normal. Yeah. Uh, things work good. I'm happy. Right. Uh, but uh, like these guys were at the retreat, you know, that stay up all night long. I'm yeah. Like, no, no, no. I'm going to bed, guys. <laughs> I even feel that that's even correlated to this addiction type impulsivity of like, I need something extra all the time. Like even more. being sober this long, like I'm always like, yeah, more. I just 
like shit's good but like it could get a little cooler you yeah. know whether that's good or i fuck some shit up you yeah. know so it's um it's yeah daily catalyst even today where i'm reminded of how truly alcoholic i am still yeah and giving another chance today to not drink is a very humbling thing yeah yeah boy that's uh you think about who gets pulled out of the hole and who doesn't because it's the other thing that i can speak about a bunch is when i first got to aa uh they talked a lot about the people who were you know this will kill you Mm -hmm. and i was like you know kind of going overboard a little there aren't you Uh, what do you mean but since then i've learned you know this will kill you. Dude, <laughs> and I watch yes. people die on a regular basis, and I'm not sure, but did you lose somebody there recently? Actually, yeah. I think I saw a Facebook post. Yeah, this my um, first sponsor. He sponsored me for seven years, and he was my best friend like the whole time that I know him. And um, he died last week, and I'm going to his funeral tomorrow. Dude, that's over? <clears throat> that's sober? No, no. That's, what, that's the you know that's what that's part of what keeps me sober. Yeah, my next one could be my last one. Right, and it's int- like the, this is how I justify. I don't know if anybody else does this, but like with alcoholism and addiction, it is such a um, it is such a war for like um, man hope and just hopelessness, right? And um, at the end of the day, like it's gonna take somebody out because of how powerful it is and um i believe the people that go out because of it they almost like sacrifice their life so i can have one so that's why like when i say i'm so grateful i got another chance to do it again today um because that dude we drank the same you know and um it was interesting a couple months prior, you know, I kind of been following his alcoholic drinking career since mm-hmm. he relapsed. And um, I had to go, you know, we're in New Albany, Indiana. I live across the bridge in Louisville, Kentucky. And I had to drive to Nashville, Tennessee. I drove there twice in the same week. The first week, the first time was to just clean out his um, hotel. And, um, that was just such an experience because like I only knew one type of that person, you know, which is a sober, um, beautiful, soul, annoying person. <laughs> you know, I loved him so much. He was really like a brother. So I went and cleaned out his room. I mean, there's just fucking fireball whiskey bottles in every little corner nudge in the hotel room. And it was just trash. It was just disgusting. So then <clears throat> I picked him up. Uh, a couple days later, I drove back down there, and um, man, he said, um, I'm really sorry, but you're going to watch me take my last drink. And I told him, I said, well, this is what's going to happen. So either I can take you back to your kids um, who are waiting for you, or you can stay here in Nashville and have your last drink, but I don't have to watch you do anything. So this is my second time being up here this week. So I'm fucking tired. Quickly decide and let's roll. Um, and then like, even on our way back, 
you know, we were having discussions and uh, just my experience of working with other people. And, you know, like, it's just like uh, somebody just really has to really want to be sober so bad that they will actually do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And he just wasn't there. But um, he was one person I never thought I would be going to the funeral, yeah, no, you know, like yeah. I gotta be a pallbearer, you know, I've never even done that before in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so just in respect to, yeah, like just the overall, you can vape if you want, huh? If you, uh, does that a vape? Can I hit this? Yes, you can hit that if you want to. Oh, thank God. I mean, should have, I shouldn't, I just, it just caught my eye a few minutes ago and I don't care. It's I asked favorite. Tanner, I was like, kidding. I had one time I got all the way through the podcast and they went, oh, good. Oh. I was like, mm, yeah, man. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be vaping it up. Yeah. Uh, but, um, no problem. I'm, nicotine is the toughest drug in the world. No, oh, yeah. I got off it for two years. Uh, this shit is harder than heroin. <laughs> it was easier to get off heroin than the. I got yeah. These little, I was a dipper. I smoked for a long time, and I stopped smoking, and I started dipping. I patted myself on the back for stopping smoking. Good, you know, like all I did was change delivery systems. That is it that like, shit is like hard. I'm not going to shoot heroin anymore. I'm only going to snort it, and I want to pat on the back because I made that decision. Right. Yeah. Uh, and nicotine, I stopped for two years, and cold cold turkey, and not any nicotine. I did that and, too for two years. And yeah. Got Turkey. And I, I started back up. Yeah, I don't know if COVID had anything to do with it, really, but that was when I started uh, dipping. Or, you know, I did start dipping again. And I backed up to these more tamer stuff. You know, I vaped and was getting my nicotine a little safer than tobacco because I do believe that there are some levels there. I might be, tri- I might be fooling myself, but I do believe there's some levels there between. Uh, I think you're probably better off vaping than you are smoking. And I'm better off with these pouches than I am dipping tobacco, I think. <laughs> I know I'm better off with nicotine than heroin, so yeah. I'm not keep vaping. Yeah, I'm not going to jail. Yeah, I'm not going to jail. I remember it. I tried to quit smoking, which I think a lot of people do when they get sober. It's like, oh, I, I want to get healthy, you know, and I want to change everything, but quit sometimes it's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go to the gym, <clears throat> work out, whatever. And I did. I tried to like quit smoking, and then all of a sudden, I just wanted to shoot heroin. And I, <laughs> I called that dude, that my sponsor at the time. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Go buy a pack of cigarettes. It's fine, you know." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that shit is hard. Yeah. It is. It's a, it's a tough drug. But like we said, uh, I'm not burning my house down, and I'm not. And I don't mean by flames. I'm talking about you know, my children need a sober dad. Mm-hmm. My dad needs a sober son. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that kind of burning my house down. Mm-hmm. Nicotine is not doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a long time, the other I don't know. Uh, how did it progress for you? How did uh, you said you started doing that? And you know, uh, that sounds a lot like me because I don't, I don't really know if I smoked pot first or drank first, really, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both came about about the same time. Right. I could get the pot easier. Yeah. Dope man don't card you. Uh, I never had to buy weed until like really? a couple of years later. Yeah, I like, had friends that had, parents were dope dealers. Yeah. And they pinched from them. Yeah. And we got free, you know, every morning. I yeah. Go down and we, he, we grew up in the same hood these two guys toby and tony these two guys and uh, and they're both deceased today and neither one of them got sober uh but their parents had i mean it was like an unlimited free supply of marijuana mm-hmm. we didn't really need a whole lot any particular day when you're just taking enough for yeah till the next time you go to their house <laughs> yeah i know i remember i had to like buy my first bag of weed i'm like the fuck? why do i do this like why i'm this is, I don't want to buy weed. Yeah. <laughs> Just give it to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I don't know if there was any days in high school that I wasn't high. If it oh, was, yeah. it was an accident. That you wasn't high? That I wasn't high. Oh, if yeah. I wasn't high at school in high school, probably from around there, that 7th, 8th grade, on through yeah. to a senior in high school. Uh, if I wasn't high, it was an accident. I was always the guy that you just cut school with to go get high. Like, that's unfortunately what I was... Uh, when people remember me as skipping yeah so like smoking weed had become pretty normalized at that point and then you know drinking here and there whatever <clears throat> and then um i think whenever i got into my later teens um i worked at ups for like four or five years and i thought i would like i'll just go to school you know like people do that mm-hmm. i don't know so but then from there i started like experimenting with other things like cocaine and um ecstasy um acid uh mushrooms like the psychedelic ones Mm -hmm. and i was like uh this is cool (laughs) this is really cool i love ecstasy (laughs) and then uh but i think at that point it was still just exhilarating fun Um, i think that at that point it was still um experimental you know as a um just as a young person you know and then um then I started like, oh, I was a server. Like I waited tables for a really long time. And then um, if anybody's listening, they worked in the restaurant industry. You know, it's a pharmaceutical fucking Walmart in there. I mean, it's really like, how do I want to get high? You know, because it's just it's in there. So then I was introduced to pain pills. <clears throat> and then I thought, holy shit, this is tight. This is great. So I'm ready to be the server of the fucking year. Like, uh, I want all the tables, you know, I'm just in a great mood. It's great. Unlimited energy. You could just feel so productive and optimized, man. Mm-hmm. Fucking I have arrived. Um, and I think like when it started to get worse was, um, I remember there was this guy that did Opanas <coughs> and, um, I said, dude, here, I'm going to throw you like 10 bucks. Just give me like a little piece. You know, I'm not a drug addict like you. <laughs> and uh, he did give me a little piece. It was pretty shady with it, but it was fine. And honestly, dude, once that shit hit my nose, that's when it like turned the quarter really fast. So then the little $10 line turned into like $15 line, half a pill, whole pill, multiple pills a day. Um, just tore my shit up. And then, like, the most, um, in my life, the tragic thing that happened in that city of Louisville is that you couldn't find a fucking Opana anywhere. I was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? I'm telling my dope dude this. I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, it's his problem. And uh, that's when he said, hey, I got this shit right here. Like, all you got to do is snort it, and you're not going to be sick anymore. Because that's the main thing that I was aiming for was to not, not be, be withdrawing so yeah. tough. So that shit hit my nose. Was that, that, that when they locked down the pain pills, when the, all the whole, I really didn't know. I, I know the event and I've read a lot about it now. Mm-hmm. But like when they, <clears throat> when, when they, when they, the government locked down the pain pills apply real hard. Next thing you know, everybody turned into heroin addicts. Yeah. Like it was, cause I was on the Opanas for a while. And at that point, like I had graduated, you know, so like going down to a, 
a pain pill that shit ain't gonna be enough you know yeah, so like yeah. no. and then in my twisted mind I'm not gonna spend 60 bones on fucking tabs and still be sick like yeah. I need something heavy well, yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. And then that's whenever I was, I, I snorted the shit and then I had that sense of ease and comfort. You know, I remember I took that, that exhale, that breath. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm okay now. And then I asked him, so what was that? He said, it's heroin. It's not a big deal, you know? And I remember I had like this mental, uh, bold word of heroin. And I was like, I don't think of anything good came from this word heroin that I can think of. But then immediately I was like, well, this is great. This is accessible. Um, and I'm not going to get sick. Yeah, and so you know, the root of it is hero. Huh? The root of that word when it was, you know, heroin's nothing new. It was, I think it was first synthesized in 1895 or some shit like that. I don't, did a lot of, I'm a book reader, man. And, Interesting. Uh, As you get me on this. So, he, and so when the guy named it, it's like that hero effect. Oh, heroin. I fucking get it. And yes. That's, you know, it was, that's why it was named. That's, that's the origin. He, you know, the guy who mixed it up, the, the chemist who put it together the first time, because you know, the morphine had been around for a long time. We've been given that, you know, back in wars forever. Back, you know, people come out of Civil War mm-hmm. uh, hooked on morphine from, that's what they give you when you got injured on the battlefield. And they were trying to find something better, you know, and heroin was. People, you know, the chemists was just like humans do, you know, we're always looking to make it better. It was the hero. And, yeah, heroin come from the root word of hero. Interesting. Yeah. I did not fucking know that. Oh, well, yeah, I go in rabbit holes, man, with nothing. <laughs> I like your style. I, I listen to audiobooks. And like I said about my speaker tape listening too long time ago. Yeah. Um, last year, right at the end of the year, Audible tell me, and I will listen. I read sixty five books last year, um, and I think I'm if I, I think I'm at around thirty already this year. But it have been shorter, some shorter books than those. But I got in a big. I went and read Dope Sick and all these ones that documented uh, interesting the events that happened to create this heroin and opioid addict, uh, epidemic thing that that happened in a lot of that history you know they started back when this stuff was first you know i mean the chinese were smoking opium long time ago Word. and it was the same drug where kind of like you know nicotine and right not a lot different really interesting it is interesting i don't uh at some level it's useless but it's interesting it's interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i can get with that so well, yeah because it, it did make me feel like a hero yeah for you know until until you got to that point where you needed you know that same old story oh, first God, you got yeah. you high and then you had to have it to keep it started getting sick. real grimy after that real quick yeah <laughs> oh god fruit flies i brought home a bunch of fruit from the retreat oh they're uh, here with you over and yeah they they came with me <laughs> oh, my daughter will eat it we've been chowing down on it um, cantaloupes and I got a big watermelon sitting in there and pineapple oh, yeah, and all kinds of shit. Oh yeah, I see the watermelon. <laughs> I got, I <laughs> on the stove. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to cut it up today and run out of time. Yeah. Um, so then that, <clears throat> with with uh, heroin and did you 
Because whenever, whenever I first thought, I yeah. mean, my mental picture of what a heroin addict, I've been hearing about heroin addicts since forever, right? Right. You know, because you're smoking dope and yeah. acting cool when you're, you know, like you said, dazed and confused and stuff. Right. And you think yeah. about this, you know, on the, in the music and other people, and they tell you that Jimi Hendrix was right. addicted to heroin yeah. and this kind of stuff. But I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I didn't know any heroin. I would have been a heroin addict before. Right. <laughs> Had <Yeah>. I known, <laughs> right. I could get my hands on it. Right. Because uh, there wasn't anything else I said no to. The same. Yeah. I mean, if you said, hey, you want to try some of this? Now, I don't know that I'd have said yes because it did have a different stigma in my head to it. But so did other drugs. When that first person, first time a guy come and said, hey, let's do some acid. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know about that. Yeah. But. That was always okay. my history, too. I would just do... <laughs> oh, I like this. Right. Let's do that again. Right. I would just do it and then ask after. Totally yeah. backwards. What was that? What one of these? Yes. yes. What yeah. was it? Yeah. It's a Xanax bar. Oh, cool. Never yeah. had one before. Yeah. And then I'm falling asleep at the, you know, at the register. <laughs> just all of a sudden, it was like, all it was here. Yeah. You know? And the, the heroin like just came on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thought it was a east coast or a west coast thing or a, yeah. uh, guys under the bridge kind of same way i thought when i first showed up at aa i thought i was going to see all these yeah uh, tv show alcoholics right and i walked into a bunch of middle-aged normal people who were smiling and laughing and hugging <laughs> I, go, I don't fucking belong here hold on yeah <laughs> that's not what i was expecting i was very um perplexed by that because i didn't have i didn't know anybody in recovery you know like nobody in my family are addicts or alcoholics so and then of course like out in the game of alcoholism addiction you don't really listen i don't i didn't never heard of recovery either yeah, no. you know like they don't want to yeah, talk about somebody said shit. it i missed it yeah right <laughs> And then, like, I remember being really, like, just perplexed by the fact that somebody used to live the same kind of lifestyle as me, but they just didn't look it, you know? Like, they really looked just normal, beautiful people. And I remember that that did catch my attention. I was very curious about that. How'd like, you find a meeting? What made you end up deciding? Um to go to a meeting or I know yeah well I think it was it was really decided for me because I get I got to the point where um I didn't have anywhere to go like anywhere really to live so um <clears throat> I called my mother and uh you know I was like my I need to come you know stay with you and then um she said no <laughs> which that was really a game changer because at that point in my life my mother would give me anything, you know, as far as like $10 here and there, or she was the first person I smoked a joint with, you know, like she was the person that I would drink with. Um, so she said no. And she said, you're not allowed to come here because you're a drug addict. And then that's whenever it really did resonate. Cause I knew that she wouldn't just say that, you know, like, cause I've heard that before and I would just kind of shrug it off. I'm like, fuck you, you're a drug addict, you know? But I knew that it was coming from a place of validity and she was being honest about it. Mm -hmm. So of course I <clears throat> said some unspeakable things to her, hung up the phone. And then I remember trying to find somewhere to live and, um, I found a place to stay for that night. And then I started thinking about the next night. Um, 
and then I, I was too tired to continue that way. You know, I had never had a place to go that, you know, I had always had some security at that point. So then I was just, um, very exhausted and exerted to figure out how to live, like sleep on someone's couch type shit. So I called my mother back and I said, <clears throat> um, you know, I'm, I think you're right. I think that I, I do have a problem with this, but I don't know how to stop, you know, and I did try to stop one other time. I just wasn't successful. And what I did was I used other products of substances to um, substitute or whatever, which didn't work for me. So she said, OK, we'll get your ass home. So then I went home and she actually called um, a local treatment center and said, well, you're going to go to rehab, you know, tomorrow. Mm. So. I ain't never been to rehab, you know, I, I didn't even, I didn't know what AA really, st- st- I didn't know what the acronym was for. I just was so uneducated about recovery and sobriety in the process. And I just had no idea. Yeah. Like when she said rehab, I thought about the Malibu's passages, you know, like I thought it was going to be something like that, where it was just going to be relaxing and we're going to get massages and like watch movies. And- yeah. And like, you know, women are going to serve us Kool-Aid on the rocks and in the spas and uh you know it wasn't anything like that so um i remember though the next day she told me she said well you need to call this fucking place now and you know get onboarded or whatever the processes so i called this woman uh, i spoke to her her name was caitlin and um she was asking me in my eyes personal questions <laughs> she was asking me things like how much do you drink and like have you ever used heroin ecstasy cocaine da, 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 da. and i'm like yes 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 and but i still remember how hard it was to be even truthful to her mm. you know i just didn't want to be a heroin addict you know like that wasn't part of my plan I really wanted to grow up and do great things with my life I aspired to do great things with my life um when I was five years old I didn't say I can't wait to grow up to be a heroin addict you know it wasn't part of the plan um so I remember I was really discouraged of being completely truthful with her at that time and then um I made it to the treatment center and um Fuck. I think something that really helps me to stay sober is the physical agony of getting through the withdrawal process, because that was always the most discouraging thing, because I was just could never see a hump over that um, because it was so goddamn painful. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're listening to this, you've ever come off heroin. um, My heart is out to you or any kind of opiate. And it is just horrid but it is very much possible. So I remember like they were telling me the guidelines of the treatment center and I was so cognitively gone. It was so hard to really grasp the conversation with them. Um, I just couldn't remember the guidelines and I, the best I could do was just fucking show up and like be there, which was hard. And then um, <clears throat> they said they were going to give me some medications. I was like, fuck good. Let's get this going now. You know, it's just like, well, the med calls in for about another hour or so. So I was like, you don't fucking get it. I'm not going to make it an hour. Like I need something now. And um, she was just like, well, we'll call you in an hour. So just go downstairs and relax and we'll come get you. I was like, fucking bitch. You know, <laughs> you just don't, you don't understand. Yeah. I was like, I don't get it. Like you, this place sucks, you know? So anyway, 
and I remember I go, I went down um, the stairwell to the um, designated smoking area, and I'll never forget it that my knees buckled, and because my I was having like a, just g- generalized weakness everywhere, specifically in my legs. I was having this burning sensation in my legs from the withdrawals, and uh, I remember I like try to write my balance, and I grasped the bar. And I, that's when I had a like critical indicator in my mind, like, holy shit, this shit is fucking me up so bad. It's like, I can't even walk. Like it's affected my functional mobility and my balance and shit. Like this shit is really serious, you know? So I finally took like my first steps into sobriety and I walked through the designated smoking area and man, there's people playing fucking ping pong and like they're laughing and everything. Kind of like your experience whenever you went to the meeting the first time and it's like they're smiling and everything. And I had that same experience too. And I'm like, I don't get this, you know, because I've never been past the hump of the yeah. withdrawals. And I never, these motherfuckers so happy. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'm like whatever walking. medication you're giving them, yeah. I need this now in the next hour. So then, um, oh, fuck. I, it was such a defeating moment. And I just collapsed onto this um, black bench. Um, and then there was, I'll never forget this. There was this man, he approached me and um, he put his hand on, his, on my back and he looked at me and he said, it's going to be okay. Mm. And this fucked me up because I didn't know who he was. But I believed him, you know, I really did. I believed him. And then that's when I decided I would give it a try. And then being in, um, being in a treatment center, which I've never done before. Um, I didn't understand the difference between AA and NA. I didn't understand that. Like whenever you would be in a meeting and like one person would speak and, you know, I just knew not to speak to respond it was just like oh this person's speaking but i didn't understand like that format or that tone um and i didn't understand why people would just show up to do that you know so um there was one man i'll never forget he came and spoke and this motherfucker was so animated with sobriety it was a little too much but it was just enough to catch my attention um and he he was using the same terminology like this dude came from the hood and uh you know talking about banging it and like just stealing shit just living that grimy lifestyle and i thought dude like i should probably get his number or something you know Mm -hmm. so i asked him i said can i have your number and then he said no you know i was like i can't give it to you i know i was like what the this place sucks dude and he said um i can't give it to you because of the guidelines of the treatment center but there's this other man coming in um get his number and then um i was so like withdrawing the next day i couldn't get out of bed type shit so i didn't even get uh, an opportunity to hear that man speak Mm. but that dude that um, gave me a little shot of hope on the black bench he got that dude's number and it was my first sponsor so then i called him up after i stayed in the treatment center which was only for two weeks um only and withdrawing yeah (laughs) withdrawing from or heroin specifically you're still pretty symptomatic at two weeks and then um that's when i called that guy and um he was just there for me he said, I'm at work right now, but if you need me to, I'll leave and I'll come get you. And I just thought, what? Bitch, I ain't got no money for you. Like, I don't I have nothing for you. I don't understand why you would do that. 
So um, he was just a great inspiration. And what's really was, he was really just a token of a catalyst of of people like you and me that the, the fellowship of sobriety, um, very welcoming and they'll get on your nerves because they love you so hard and they don't want to, they won't give up on you. And, um, you know, it's a really special thing yeah. to have. Yep. Yep. I couldn't understand it either. These people who are willing to give me the time of day and like to help me get over this thing that I got myself into. Yeah. You know, and that little bit of thing back to some extent, anything I really wanted to do, I could accomplish, uh, except for this. Mm-hmm. And and I thought if I just tried hard enough, if I had enough willpower, if I you know could catch the right formula, uh, the right days in a row or whatever it was, you mm-hmm. know I could get some traction. And, and and I never could, and I'd you know be back getting a white chip in a meeting, and expecting to be shamed. Right. And. <clears throat> um, I had lunch today with a, a dinner lunch, something with a woman who was the very first person that said, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. The first day Amy and I ever walked into Interesting. that shook wow. hands with me and she watched, she seen me from the beginning. She saw me the first night I walked in. She remembers that. Uh, that was 11 years ago, um, 12 years ago now. Yeah. 12. That's beautiful. Uh, and she watched the four years that I stumbled <clears throat> and come back. And, you know, all the way through, the only thing she did was, like, loved me. It kept on. Her arms was open and her smile was there every time Dan comes stumbling back in. And it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and she's just one of the represent. you know, today's experience of, uh, she's now my, I'm, I'm, I'm moved to, I lost a job in sobriety. They laid me off after 24 years of working for him as a drunken drug addict they kept me and I was four years sober and they laid me off <laughs> bitches uh, and so I needed to do something with I did have a considerable amount of money in that from just a little in my 401k account just for working for a place for 28 years putting a little bit in ended up being a pretty good chunk of money and I needed to do something with that and I knew she was a financial advisor so she's now my financial advisor awesome <laughs> and uh, and once a year at least we get together she's got to do it by some regulatory stuff you that's know, to, fucking sick uh, so we go have a go have a meal and I just love the time with her but those people that she's just my like that's the, thinking these people that just kept on uh, for no reason whatsoever kept on putting their hand out to help me for mm-hmm. no reason and I couldn't understand it now I understand today because I'm that dude with my hand out yeah uh, and and I watch these guys come sit I got two recliners sitting over there so I do a lot of step work right over there sitting there face to face and I can see them in their eyes they're like why is this motherfucker inviting yeah. me into his house? <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. Spending an hour or two with me tonight. Yeah. And he's you know, do it again next week and next week and yeah. next week. And I have a friend. Uh, she's a, a really good friend of mine. I've known her like 15 years. And she, you know, she doesn't drink like I do, so she's different in that aspect. But it's always interesting to have her... Uh, logic on things she's a very logical person i always appreciate it but um my friend's funeral is tomorrow but i have to go speak at a meeting um later that night and um she was really getting on me about um she's like you know 
you having to deal with responsibilities after you bury your best friend, that ain't the move. <laughs> like you don't want to have to be worrying about that. And I told her I understood where she was coming from. Cause I do have a defect of where, um, you know, I don't do self-compassion that well. Um, but you know, maybe I, I shouldn't do it or maybe I should, but I'm going to do it because, um, you know, recovery and sobriety is my life. It's my fucking life. And I abs- I keep doing it because I love it, you know, and I haven't drank yet. Um, if it was the opposite, then I just wouldn't do it. You know, like I'm not going to do shit that I don't love. It's stupid. So, um, I told her, you know, I'm going to go because, well, for one, there's no safer place I would feel. Um, and then, um, I know today I would need a meeting after that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I want to speak, but like, you know, whatever, like, but God will interview anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Or I can just go home and be sad and cry, but I can do that after the meeting. But, um, I was trying to explain to her that, um, so many people have been there for me along the way and so much success. My, My life is so rich with so much beauty and it's because these people don't give up, you know, and I'm just going to keep continuing to do that regardless of what's going on. So, um, a lot of respect to so many people that have helped me along the way. Like I went to school and like, I never went to college before until I got sober and I went to college for seven fucking years and that was so hard especially just like not even so much the material to learn, but it's really just balancing life. Yeah. And then me as an alcoholic, it's much more intense cause I'm just a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but we feel things in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, and my sponsor teaches that too. You know, we, things are just a little more, at least a little more intense when we're having the ups and the downs, the, uh, we feel it harder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you That's know, so I hear true. people talking about, you know, like, <clears throat> I'll ask my guys, you know, so I'll see you tomorrow night. Well, I don't know, because uh, something, you know, I got a pretty hard day at work tomorrow. And I'm like, well, that's the day, you know, that I know now today that's an, that's not the reason not to come to the meeting, because <laughs> mm-hmm. the day was hard. You can find any any excuse will do for why not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get, if you want to get well, if you want to recover, you got to make this thing like the uh, uh, no matter what club. Mm -hmm. I'm showing up no matter what. Yeah. And sometimes for me, it's the hardest part. It is hard. It's so hard to just show up. up. Yeah. And, um, but I get to do that today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, And I've got a little trigger. You said I have to go speak afterwards, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm triggered my little thing. You get to go speak afterwards. You, I try to quit thinking that I have to do things because today I get to do things. I get Mm -hmm. to go take my daughter someplace or, helper i get to help my dad i get to go to a job Mm -hmm. i get to go speak at meetings Mm -hmm. and just a perspective change you know yeah yeah Uh, but it's not you know i constantly have to remind myself i have those little conversations you know the i really relate with the cartoons i watched as a little kid with the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other Mm -hmm. and they're having this conversation that i'm a part of (laughs) about Mm -hmm. what's dan going to do next yeah (laughs) i always think of the bad guy on my left shoulder for some reason and that guy on my left shoulder tells me to do a lot of stuff i know i shouldn't do and i used to listen to him all the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. and today i have the ability to know that what that dude is saying (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
is uh, bullshit and not what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like, what I've learned, having kind of that positive-negative shoulder vibe, just, like, the juxtaposition of it is, like, with the negative side, like, I would always, like, listen in on it, like, no, go get that bag of heroin, go fuck it up, you know? Yep, yeah. Yep go sleep with that dude's wife like don't do that shit you know just like the negative grimy shit and um now i've learned like with the negative shoulder of like say maybe wanting to drink you know um i just allow myself to feel that because i think sometimes like in my experience in recovery i'm almost programmed to immediately solutionize whatever problem I'm having, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I've been learning to be more kind to myself and allow myself to feel the desire to drink. You Pause. Know? Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's Agitated okay. Or doubtful. Yeah, yeah. Like it's okay if you share on a burning desire that you want to drink. Um, um, to be just aware of that negative shoulder is um, it's kind of beautiful to be able to just be aware of it yep. and have the choice yep. to not do yep. it. And to have the choice, yeah, to be aware of it. Uh, you know, so much of it was unconscious. Uh, I realized how unconscious I was living life. You know, it was, I was like I said, that hijacked that thing. It told me what to do. Yeah. That's what told me, what, you know, and, and I was running around destructive and yeah. hurting people and, um, but I couldn't see it. Yeah. Uh, and until somebody, you know, it's like I was talking to Becky today. You know, my sponsor taught me to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like uh, gave me some hearing aids too, because I now I can hear. Where mm-hmm. before you couldn't have told me anything. You know, mm-hmm. that stuff like that guy telling you it's it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like what? Huh? Yeah. Uh, but you heard him. It's right. kind of like that old thing that was it white man can't jump back. Do you hear Jimmy or do you listen to Jimmy or do you hear? Yeah, Jimmy? yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that reference. That's up. I make these little wooden things, and my sponsor is going to be celebrating that many this next month. This thirty-nine month. years. He actually sell, he's the May eleventh was his day. We celebrate on the last uh, Tuesday of the month. Wow, and, that's uh, the same I get to suck day. up that. I like. I feel like I've sat at the foot of a master. Uh, I get to, I get to absorb the knowledge and the wisdom in the days, and to hear him say at 39 years that thing is still on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and you know it talks to him less. Mine talks to me less than it used to, but it still talks, <laughs> and uh, and gives me ideas. And to be known, to be told that that's okay, I don't have to hide from that because this whole thing about sick as our secrets and stuff. If I don't talk about that stuff, if I don't tell on it. Uh, I'm going to get, you know, there's a good chance I'm going to get defeated again. Mm-hmm. And by talking about it, I'm helping. That's I'm helping the guy down the pipe too. That needs to hear that too. That that's that's going to be our. That's this is my way of life today. And uh, I'm not going to get any graduation papers or uh, say good job, Dan. You're done now. Yeah, uh, your job is over. Right. Uh, that this is a lifelong thing. He's also a counselor, a therapist, a addiction and alcohol therapist. He's Hell been yeah. doing that for like 20 years or something. Um, but like I said, it's just, uh, uh, I owe my life to him. Yeah. He sponsored me from you know, my entire eight years of sobriety. Really? And, uh, and awesome. you, you were talking earlier, you know, about what well, I heard a word. I don't think you, I don't know if you said it, but. 
I have a responsibility to carry this message now. Mm-hmm. It's been given to me, and I can't choose not to go carry it. That's mm-hmm. not a choice. That's not one. That's not a choice I get to make. My choice has to be to go out and continue to carry this message as it was carried to me. Yeah, yeah, a responsibility. Yeah, I feel that. And I was thinking about whenever, um, you know, um, the negative shoulder and how, um, well, just like I guess the choices that we we have whenever we get sober because. You, you have choices, you know, because you're not confined to a chair chasing after alcohol or drugs. Um, that's like when recovery, that's what recovery is, in my opinion, is like just because my life actually is pretty unstable <laughs> at the moment. Like everything on the outside of my life is fucking shit. <laughs> like this, like single dad life and trying to get divorced and then going through the loss of my, um, my friend and then just financial stress and obligations of switched job and trying to change mm-hmm. careers and all that shit. Um, my whole support system I'm having to modify and like grow it and really change everything about it. But um, sometimes I feel bad for some guys that I sponsor or guide through sobriety. So I'm just like, I wish I can show you a better life than this right now. And like, but this is just a reality of it. Like this is like sobriety. This is a sober person living without drinking or getting high and with real life shit. And, um, this one guy I've been working with, you met him, that he says that I really just keep thinking he's going to fire me at any moment because <laughs> I just, my life sucks. And uh, he would tell me that it's really inspiring to like watch me go through life. And my sponsor just told me that too. And um, I think that's what's the beauty part about mm-hmm. recovery is that like recovery isn't being on the beam. It's like we're always, I'm always going to be off the beam. So recovery kicks in to get back on the beam. Um, Cause that's sometimes what I, that's when I need you guys the most, you know, to get back on the beam. Yeah. We do hard shit mm-hmm. and getting divorced is hard. Raising kids is hard and nobody said life was going to be easy, but I can do it sober. That's the difference today. Mm-hmm. I've had, you know, that's, <clears throat> I've been told the same kind of thing. Like, like when my daughter come to me, uh, when I, um, you know, my mother, I was, 14 months sober, my mom passed away. Um, just making it through those things that are tough. It's tough. Life is tough. It, I would have to say that the balance of my life, too, has been more hardship than it's been easy. It's uh, But there's yes. beauty in that, and there's also been some rays of sunshine that are beyond my understanding by so far that I, I can't even begin to mentally grasp it. But, uh, you know, I was four years sober, and my daughter was molested by her grandfather, and I had to walk through that. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's been one thing after another, man. And the only thing I could do is just keep on keeping on. I keep on in touch with my sponsor and I keep on doing the things that, you know, that, remember that shit you did yesterday that kept you sober? Do that again today. Uh, and just, I understand one day at a time of living today. Uh, and, you know, Buddha, the, what's the first noble truth or whatever is life is suffering. Uh, that's a long time ago. That dude said that. And I can, I can relate because mm-hmm. it's, it's not an easy ride. I don't, and I'm, when I look, I'm not sure the people who are presenting an easy ride are being honest. When I see people that look like they have an easy life, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I trust that. 
same uh, I see something else most of the time yeah I represent I'm here for the authenticity of sober lifestyle which includes struggles and hardships yeah that's a lot man yeah it is. I joke around, you know, I kind of got this little teasing thing. I had a sponsor the other day uh, kind of give me some shit about it because he thought I was picking on him. Uh, <clears throat> I may have made a chip for it. I make some for that TSSR group. I make our own little yeah, wooden this tokens. One. one of them says I got a lot going on. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and people will see, you know, that's like a cliche in our rooms, right? I'm going through a lot. I got a lot going on. And, you know, but we all got a lot going on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. We do. <laughs> you know, that excuse just really don't cut it because me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, and it matters how you're using it. If you're telling me that you're not going to be able to make it because you got a lot going on, uh, that's not the truth. Uh, you can make it through here because you got a lot going on and with a lot going on. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he he said it the other day, and he saw me giggle when he's talking about how much he's got going on, and he does have a lot going on. I granted it. <laughs> I got I got a sponsor who just had a stepfather who raised him. I've got a I got a sponsor who has got a forty six year old husband who is dying of cancer. Um, I got um, one whose ex wife is an addict and is not safe to be around the kids, and he needs to do something about that. Uh, you know, it's one thing, you know, mm-hmm. but that's the other thing about this world that we live in is that like these other people's troubles, when they become, when I, when I help them with that, my troubles get smaller somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weird mm-hmm. dynamic about how we sit in here together and hold hands together and walk through. I mean, I bet you you could say the same thing. You know somebody that's going through this and somebody else is going through that and somebody else, you know, and my new friend tonight is in the middle of the divorce with mm-hmm. <laughs> with a very young child, mm-hmm. uh, switching jobs and mm-hmm. um, it's tough. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I couldn't do, I, I am, I don't, I don't want to have to do it without those hands on each side. Yes. And something very liberating also of hardship in my experience is like this, um, <clears throat> this, um, what do you call it? It's just this urge, a uh, self-worth. It's like, I'm fucking good enough to get through this shit. I think that's probably the, one of the pros about trauma is that it does equip that one with some really tough skin per se to get through the shit. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll just be like, Someday you're going to be called to use that tough skin to help the next fella down the road to go through something similar to that hero's journey thing that Joseph Campbell talks about. That mm-hmm. yeah. that's what that's what matures us going through mm-hmm. hard stuff, and we get that. It kind of sucks, but we get these little badges on our shirt mm-hmm. <laughs> that equip us, yeah, to help the next person down the line mm-hmm. overcome. If, if maybe uh, maybe it's just a stand as evidence mm-hmm. that this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went through it, and it's it, this too shall pass. I say my, to myself every hard thing that comes along, I have to. It's like my mantra. It's mm-hmm. like those, it's like those withdrawals. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't think they were ever going to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, that weakness in your knees buckling. I imagine you had some thoughts that that might be some kind of permanent thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be in a wheelchair. Yeah, uh, I'm never gonna walk again. Yeah. Uh, catastrophizing everything. Right. And knowing today that no, this tough spot I got here at the moment, this is gonna, this is gonna pass. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can make, and I'm worth it. Yeah. I can make it through it. And I'm That's worth it. like really empowering for me um, is the self-worth piece. Cause I think I struggle with that just as a person of um, identifying with that. And I think that there is this unique ability whenever we kind of remove ourselves to be helpful for another person, which I'm here for. And I get it. Um, for me, sometimes I can utilize that technique as a deflection to like not mm. really allow myself to feel what's mm. going through, Good what's point. going on. So, um, my therapist actually been helping me working through that shit. Um, cause the last time that I wanted to drink, she was just like, why are you so scared of it? You know? And I'm like, bitch, what are you talking about, man? Like if I drink again, I'm dead, you know? And she was just like, she kind of walked me through of just being kind to myself to be able to feel it and don't be so deflective against it because like I've learned that's how I get through trauma is really I deflect and just like Mm kind of dodge it and run away and oh let me go throw myself at this person and help them which is instrumental for that person beneficial for them but it's also causing me to just deflect so um, I'm really grateful that I have the balance to be able to decide if I want to deflect or if I want to feel yeah Cause like being a sober person, you get the feels. <laughs> Congratulations if you're sober, you the get the feels. The good thing is you get them, your feelings back, and the bad thing is is you get your feelings back. Yes, yeah. And I can become overwhelmed with those problems of the other people too. That's a good point, you know. And I wonder about that makes me think on, you know. Because it's healthy okay. to say no. It is yeah. healthy to yeah. say no. I, I like I heard a speaker one time say, my drug of choice in recovery is busyness. Yeah. And that's what I do. I keep myself really fucking busy. Yeah. You know, so that way I don't have to think. I don't have to. It's just action, 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 action. And there is a thing. We say this is a program action when you're newly sober. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that energy I was talking about that the newcomers have got, that their dopamine system is starting to fire properly. And uh and now I've settled down off of that, and I'm still at that same pace. And, and you know, the phone still rings a lot. <laughs> Good. And Because uh, and, you know, you're worth and calling, I, I man. Wanna, and I want to get back to them, and I want to see, you know, like sitting here even, you know, a couple messages have come in. I'm sure you probably have had a couple, too. And I want to say, uh, I want to jump on whatever it is that they got. You know, are they okay? All right, you know, mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, it's just a regular old check-in. Yeah. It's no big deal. Hey, man, what's going on? Here's mm-hmm. my day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I require my newcomers to call me every day mm-hmm. uh, to a, till, and, you know, until a certain point. And then when they do, I look down and go, oh, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah. And Interesting. We volunteer for this stuff, and it does help us stay sober, but it's still also, uh, it, it, there's a struggle involved in in that and I can totally get with uh, uh, you know basically it's a little hiding behind their problems mm-hmm. to avoid mine yeah you know and in and, and, uh, and sobriety and the recovery the way that I've learned um, I have been trained to be a maximum service which I totally get and I'm here for it and I will always be that but um, <clears throat> in addition additionally that you know myself is actually important as well as far as my mental health and and uh you know 
the the present you know so that's why like i decided to turn my phone over you know because i like i want to make the choice to be present with dan with you guys that are listening and um or like if my my current wife that wants to argue oh my gosh she always wants to argue and um i can just simply not respond you know or not answer the phone like i can choose my mental health how i want to Mm -hmm. you know and um I think a lot of that helps me just empowering self-worth again, yeah. um, yep. which is something I really struggled with, you know, growing yep. up, even growing up in sobriety. So um, a beautiful balance, though. Yep. But then, like, I do learn that <clears throat> when I learn to say no for myself, I'm equally, like, more empowered to give back. I really feel like I am in a better position. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like a chore. You know, it doesn't feel like I have to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it it does feel like I get to do it, Mm -hmm. you know. And I feel um, just spiritually able to be able to be present for them. Yeah, that old airline kind of analogy that you got to put your own oxygen mask on first kind of thing. I I don't take care of me. I sure can't help anybody else. Right, yeah. Can't be of any... And if I don't value me, yeah, nobody else is going to. Yeah, <laughs> I dude. I set my own value. Yeah, uh, and I learned that being a therapist in the world of physical therapy because, like, I mean, after patient after patient after patient, I have got to put a mask on and I have to provide really a service, but um, I have to be there for them, you know, every single patient. And... Um, fuck, it's just exhausting. You know, I'm just a human. I love my job. Helping people is absolutely hard. love it. But um, the more that I cancel myself out, you know, it's just yeah. all of a sudden I don't even want to be at work. You know, I don't care that you're in pain. You know, I've heard that seven patients ago, you know. It's kind of like that. I got a lot going on. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you're hurting. Yes. And I know this exercise we're doing hurts. Yes. And- so help people, but don't forget about yourself. Yeah, that is really... Please yeah. don't, because yeah. you are so important. Yeah, that elusive thing called balance. It seems yes. like that's what's, you know, whether if it's kid raising, you know, he's talking about going to school and the, the different things we do. I, uh, I have to take, and I don't do a good job of getting rest. I sleep well, but like today, I chose not to do anything, you know, that I went out to eat and I'm doing this podcast, but so see, I'll say I didn't, I didn't do anything today. Uh, and I had to take some time there. I don't do it very often, but so, and it's hard for me to sit still and do nothing. I don't Same. like to watch the TV. That's one thing the audio books will do. I can sit there, but if you like, I'm a little bit like those dolls that when you lay them down, they go to sleep, their eyes closed. Yeah. If you lay me down, I will be asleep in about 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter where, if I lay down, if I scatter this dining room table and lay down on it, I would be asleep in a minute, uh, which ain't a bad thing. It's a great tool. Cause I can have a recovery gave me this ability to like turn myself off. Most of the time that switch goes m- faulty once in a while right on, yeah. but meditation practice and stuff like that has allowed me to come down my sponsor does like the sabbath kind of thing and because he works in the field of recovery you know he's getting exposed to it every day it's kind of like you're you know in your thing people coming to you with the same similar problems mm-hmm. you know it might be shoulder might be a hip might mm-hmm. be knee might be whatever right mm-hmm. but it's really all symptoms of a similar body issue Mm -hmm. Uh, and you get to doing that all day long he takes Sundays off Mm -hmm. and like don't answer the phone don't call me don't 
you know, don't expect anything from me on Sundays. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's mm-hmm. not, no, I mean, if I had an urgent call, it's mm-hmm. not that he's that much. But, and I really admire that to take yeah. a day off, you know, but like as a parent of a young child, you don't necessarily get that opportunity to take a day off. Man. Uh, no. <laughs> I remember when mom were little, the thing like, it's so I would hard try to when get everything little. done while they were napping. And then I realized, no, when they're napping, I got to take a freaking nap. Yeah. <laughs> that yes. When they go lay down, I got to lay down. Yep. Uh, this is, I'll be wore out. Those but, dishes will be fine. Yep. <laughs> Those dishes ain't going anywhere. Yeah. It's like a realization of uh, parenting is, that, you know, okay, well, put the kid down for the nap. I will go do this and do that. And, yeah. And right. The kid wakes up and you're halfway done and you're shot and right now I want a nap and you're like fuck go back to sleep yeah okay uh, yeah yes Uh, get the Benadryl out and (laughs) 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 luckily you're sober so you probably don't do that but uh (laughs) my god I've thought about it (laughs) and and learning to take that downtime it's uh you know I not see it's like getting a new it's like a new toy uh, sobriety can be sort of like when you got a, a new toy and you just wear it out. Yeah. You know, I'm going to yeah. play with it all day long. Right. And uh, I can, my recovery, this new life I have is from where I was to where I'm at today. I just I can, I can have the tendency to wear this toy out. Yeah. And I got to take breaks and, and, and slow down sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's not... It doesn't make you a bad person. No. No. Because you're worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, one of those, that's a key phrase, you know. It's, I think we all come in here, but, you know, self-esteem is shot, right? We think we're not worth a shit. We think we're garbage. You hear guys, you, you come in and say, I, I'm just a fuck up. And mm-hmm. uh, you're like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, well, you're I was. just sick, man. Yes. And yeah. I was always like. Um, like I was good at creating boundaries and like being creative with how I can do a boundary, but I wasn't good at sustaining the boundary, you know? So like, even when my previous sponsor, when I drove down to Nashville, he was like, I'm sorry, you guys watch and take my last drink. I love this guy. I was going to, you know, I would watch him do it, you know? Cause I'm just like, whatever you need, man, you know? Um, and it was hard to say either I'm going to do this, take you back, or you're going to stay here and drink. It was yeah. so hard for me to do that. And even though now he's dead, you know, it's like, I've been, you know, maybe I should have done something differently about that, you know, or whatever. So, but like being boundary, um, like goal oriented that way, um, it really does help again, empower self-esteem and helps mm-hmm. empower like who you are, you know? And I think yeah. that's a beautiful journey about getting sober is the rediscovery of who you are. Um, and it took me a long time to realize how important boundaries are. Yeah. Yeah. They really, 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 really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I learned to do, you know, that these 12 steps are my, guide to how to do life mm-hmm. you know and like boundaries aren't really discussed in there no. not in the book but i learned it here i feel like that yeah yeah for sure I, I yeah learned it from the other people in here so much like tribal knowledge is what i call it that's right not, on yeah know, that book is my deal that's what i take a guy through i talk about it all the time the alcoholics anonymous uh, book but there's a lot more and we have all this tribal knowledge that you learn that's being passed down verbally 
you know, and then like setting boundaries and golly, man, I, you know, it's, it's unfathomable self care stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's something really beautiful of surrendering too. It's just like knowing that I just cannot control the outcome and that I can't control everything. You know, I do have some influence, but you know, I have, you know, a lot going on and, um, I remember I took my kid for a walk and I came back and my fucking dog chewed up the cushions on the couch. Mm -hmm. So like my couch is destroyed. And I remember I just didn't have the emotional stability to even deal with it. That was just like surrendered, you know? So then I just took all the fuzz or the stuffing and just like played with him. You know, I was like, you know, fuck it. Snowing. Yeah. You can't beat them. Just join them, I guess. Yeah. But there's something so just like liberating and throwing my hands up and just surrendering to the stress. Oh, well. Yeah. 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 Those, uh, I can think about moments like that. Those, you really, because of like, it feels like the adverse, there's something going on that's not normal. I feel like I should be getting pissed off, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but, but I don't. I just go, oh, well, car crashed, you know, whatever happened, you know, daughter comes home, backed into the school bus, you know, and they're like expecting me to be mad. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, okay. Yeah. Big deal. We'll yeah. Everybody okay? And, you know, <laughs> uh, and just, just reacting uh, sanely mm-hmm. uh, rather than insanely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, realizing just how little I, it doesn't matter. It's that it's the logic behind all that Mark Manson stuff. I'll go back to the books again. All that the subtle art of not giving a fuck, uh, and all those books that he's written. And there's a whole line of stuff about not giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that we don't care, but I don't have to lose my fucking mind over. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like I didn't get sober really to be miserable all the time, yeah. you know, and I, again, when we're sober, we just have the choice again. We regain choice and making the decision of like, I'm going to choose my mental health happiness over this. They're just cushions, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're just yeah. cushions. And like, even with my friend passing away, um, it's like. I'm still wondering if I'm still like a little numb and like desensitized to this because it's happened so much over the years that I've been sober and, um, or whatnot. But, um, I just surrendered, you know, like he is gone and, you know, my, my current sponsor told me that, you know, people are just in our lives sometimes for a certain amount of time. A season. Yeah. And they're not always guaranteed, you know? So I just been really reflecting on the time that he was in my life and, um, his loss is really just, um, I just cannot control it. You know, like it, I've just surrendered to it. So that's really been on my mind a lot this month is surrendering, Yeah, you know? And there's something very powerful and just beautiful of breathing it in and exhaling it out. Yeah. It's like, fuck it. We'll just go to this funeral, like whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, most of these principles, too, if you look back at people been similar, it's the old thing about, you know, uh, you know, there's so many sayings, but like the uh, dancing in the rain, you know, and um, what those that 
can't don't understand your dancing can't hear the music stuff and these things about your mental attitude and that i don't have to allow these outside circumstances to control me yeah um i can i can be different and i don't have to drink yeah you see oh. yeah, people you know, losing their ever loving minds over whatever's happening in the politics or whatever's sure. happening in society. Uh, sure. And, um, can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, There's only so much, you yeah, know. I mean, like, like you said, have influence, but yeah, I don't have Joe Biden's ear. I'm still just a human, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm a speck of sand, really, in the whole grand scheme of things. And Yeah. Uh, take care of my perimeter you know the yeah. Al-Anon thing of keeping it inside my hula hoop you know if it's yeah. outside of that then I don't really have any business one of the best things that happened to me was stopping watching TV right uh, there's a big box on my wall over but it's when I got sober <clears throat> I didn't end up spending any time in prison as I told you earlier but I did was on nine months of home incarceration uh, out of the gates my first nine months no I, was actually sen- I was actually sentenced to a year but they ended up letting me off at nine months and uh, I took everything, you know, that thing we say you had to put anything you put in front of your recovery, you'll lose. Yeah. You have to put your recovery first. Right. Well, that did that for me. You and were on a home incarceration your first nine months of sobriety. Nine months of sobriety. So, like, when a dude had Super Bowl wow. party and I had this, you know, these opportunities to go into risky situations, all that was taken away from me. Now, you know, as an agriculture, we'd fuck anything up, right? But I was serious about getting sober, and I didn't, you know. But I, you know, I said no, and uh, that that ankle bracelet, they the rent on that sucker was a hundred dollars a week. No shit. Yeah. Damn. Uh, Your sobriety is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember my lawyer saying, he goes, "Are you sure you can afford home incarceration?" I said, "I can't afford a prison." Right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. And I didn't that know is what interesting, he meant. Dan. And I started looking for how to save some money. And, uh, you know, I can't turn off the lights. I can't turn off the gas. I can't stop paying the insurance. I can't stop making the house payment. But I could turn off that $150 a month cable TV. And I had like a withdrawals from that in some sense of detaching and turning off TV, which is one of the things I was got. I would get myself into a lot of uh, worked up over politics and uh, gun rights and various other kind of stuff, you know, and do just the opposite of what we just talked about. How would pour my entire right. being into yeah, yeah. stuff? I know <laughs> the rabbit holes, yeah. yeah. And uh, and TV helped. Not having a TV turned that off to a certain extent, to a big extent, you know, and I've never turned it back on. And it's been another thing. It's been a great thing for me. I actually, well, if I go to the dentist's office and they got the TV on and I'm the only person sitting in there, I'm like, could you mute that? Sounds like static to me. But it was a blessing, you know, how many times with these things that's happened to us, it looked like a terrible, terrible thing. What's like the worst thing that could ever happen to you ends up being the best thing that ever happened to you, you know, and that's another thing I keep an eye out on these crises we go through you know uh i thought that felony conviction and that sentence and the rest of that stuff but you know they were at one point when i before i found before i surrendered that was what happened before i surrendered i was looking like i was going to prison for six years and my buddy said don't worry about man in indiana you'll only serve half of that <laughs> Great. Yeah. Cool. It didn't, it didn't give me any comfort whatsoever. Yeah, right. Uh, and when I surrendered, the judge didn't know I surrendered. You know, he didn't have any idea. Uh, the prosecutor didn't know I surrendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, I didn't know I surrendered. Yeah. 
until later, looking right. back in hindsight, and they started getting open to uh, a lesser sentence. Wow. So, you know, that's, way, that's some of the stuff this, I call them you know, miracles. It's sure. A few times in that book, it talks about miracles. He's talking about Bill says he's, when he's sitting at the table with Evie the first time, uh, he was looking at a miracle right across the table from mm-hmm. him. Um, and he also says, my ideas about miracles were revised right then. Mm. And that's happened. It's this stuff about, like, why I wasn't supposed to do home incarceration at this house because the house that I got caught breaking into is across the street. There's an old man over there that I've lived with, I've known forever, that I he had a steady supply. I can always go over and get it. They couldn't understand how it was disappearing. Where were they going? They, you know, this dude's pain pills were disappearing. They couldn't figure it out until the sun laid in the wait one night for me. Try to figure out not for me for whoever it was. No. Uh, they had I guess he had a sneaking suspicion, and uh, he met me with a pepper spray and a ball bat. No shit. In the dark in the house when I went in there, yeah, and I ever got yeah. away that night, but I ended up getting a warrant out for my arrest. He knew who I was and getting arraigned and all that kind of stuff. And it was just horrible. It was fucking horrible. I couldn't imagine. I was so ashamed. I just couldn't. You know, it says. Uh, book says I can't remember the humiliation or suffering of a month a week or a month ago you know the next day I was using it again mm-hmm. I couldn't remember the humiliation of yesterday yes sir yes sir uh, you know I just just blow my entire fucking life up yeah I mean the, the next day I'm doing it again yes very and, powerful and you know at some point in that process man and it was when the surrender happened there was magic there was God there was the universe I, I i'll be the last one to say i have any idea what the fuck it is but right. there's something that when i live on the right side of the line okay my life goes better when i play on the other side of the line life gets hard yeah uh you know and i like these things you're going through now you know they're hard but there ain't nothing hard like that was hard yeah and i like to this is how like on a park bench kind of stuff is hard. that shit's hard yeah <laughs> And like, I would say that right now, like I'm going, there's some bad things that are happening, whatever. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Like when we say like bad things happen, like there's good things and there's bad things that happen, but we wouldn't utilize the adjective bad to support the noun things. If there wasn't just things, sometimes things, shit just happens, you know, and it's this judgment on whether if it's good or bad. What do I know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I thought my divorce was the worst thing ever. Huh. I couldn't be happier today. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> wait to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> I can't you know, wait to get there. I had never been not in a relationship my entire life from the time I found, just like drugs, uh-huh. from the fi- time I found <laughs> girls, Yeah. Uh, I was if I didn't have one captured, I was hunting my next one. Yeah. And it was a lot like a drug, and I carried that into recovery. And like today... Uh, <laughs> It's the obsession has been removed. Mm-hmm. If something happens, it happens. But I'm not out there on the hunt like I was for so long. I was hunting that just the same way that I was hunting for dope or booze. Mm-hmm. I was. It was gonna, you know. And and today the freedom. That's what it's bruised to me. The freedom I have in my life today, uh, for not chasing nothing. You know, mm. except for a better life mm-hmm. uh, or sustaining the one I have. <laughs> mm. I don't even know that I want a better life. My life is pretty okay right now. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I mean, um, 
You say, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing great. I'm doing whatever. You know, I mean, I'm really, I can't, I've not got, would I like to have another bucket of money? Who wouldn't, right? You, I would like to have a barrel of money. That, <laughs> that would be really be helpful, yeah. Yeah, that'd be helpful. But I'm doing okay. Lights are on. Cars paid. Food's in the refrigerator. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm just not chasing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like life becomes more sometimes, but um, it gets easier to like manage, you know. And um, the thing that I always loved about sobriety is the the chance. I was just given a chance to do whatever I want with my life. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I had aspired to do great things with my life. I didn't want to be a heroin addict. And um, yeah, asking a little kid, you know, that's one of the things. What, what do you want to be when you grow mm-hmm. up? You know, astronaut, president, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, model, actor, mm-hmm. uh, drug addict. No, yeah, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't say that. <laughs> that wasn't even on the list at all. Yeah, <laughs> we had big, we had big ideas. Yeah, and they're actually still available to us, right? Yeah, that's the thing is, we get to hit the reset button. Right. You can do anything you want with your life. It's so beautiful. And how um, <clears throat> how beautiful it is to be able to have that chance in a, in a body, in my, in my body, that I'll be in this body for a limited time, and I can do whatever I want, you know? And I can choose to be happy or not, you know? So um, that's one of those, that's some of this guy like is Andy Andrews. Ever heard of him? He's a Who? Andy Andrews. He's another one of these motivational speaker type of dudes. You know, there's okay. a ton of people out in the world carrying a positive message for the world. And I try to absorb as much as I want can. And one of them, he's got these seven decisions. And one of them is that I am today. I'm going to choose happiness. Yeah. To, uh, I think that's what most of those are. The seven decisions. I just played around. these right here. Today I will choose to be happy. Yeah. I'm going to seek wisdom. That's a goofy one. I'm a person of action. The book stops here. I am responsible for what's going on with me. Right. It ain't you. Yeah. It ain't her. It ain't him. Right. It's not the employer. Right. Uh, I have a decided heart. And I will greet this day with a forgiving spirit. And... I will pers- I will persist without exception. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I have a decided heart. When I make up my mind to do something, uh-huh. unless, unless situation changes, I'm going to carry it on. Okay. I've made a commitment to you that I'm going to be there to speak tomorrow night. Well, by God, I'm going to be there to yeah. speak tomorrow night. I like if that. I said I'll pick you up tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, if by all things possible, I'm going to pick you up by 8 o'clock in the morning. That's something that my sponsor had. He had a decided heart. And I remember how that was taught to me early on. You know, and dude, I will still have people call me that I haven't spoke to in years. And, you know, they need, you know, they're still struggling drinking, you know, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, me too. And it's because, like. I had this decided heart on each yep. of them that, you know, like, I will always be here for you. And I would never judge you, you know, and like, just don't fuck me over. <laughs> you know, you screw me once, you're dead to me now. Um, I really like that. I have a real, I have a real heavy, heavy loyalty thing. And you say that with a joke, but I found that out about myself that if you do screw me once, it's going to be damn tough to recover that. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that, you know, it's kind of the opposite of that, a forgiving spirit. Uh, well, but I'm working I, on it. You, like it's all you a work say, in process. I'm better than I, I used to be. I will persist without exception. Yeah. Um, I will greet this day with a forgiving spirit. Like, I'm responsible for me, yeah. you know? And if that shit you. is unacceptable and it's non-negotiable and it's intolerable, then I don't yeah. fucking tolerate it. It's yeah. period. You know, it's, that's it. I went to a well, you've got that prescription. Supposedly that's Dr. Bob's prescription pad for real. I went to a book study weekend, a retreat uh, back in February, and that was one of the little trinkets they gave us, and that was his prescription for uh, sobriety, for alcoholism. Always remember it. Trust, what, trust God. Oh, clean trust house. God, clean house, help others. Okay. Yeah. I was looking at the penmanship. Is that yeah. what it says? Always remember it? Uh, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Always remember it. Those three things, man. It's kind of, I don't know, I don't, you know. A guy said something to me, and I say it so much it's become mine. People will go, Dan says. And I'm like, no, Dan didn't say that. Dan stole that from somebody else. I didn't I didn't ever say nothing, man. Yeah. Those coins that I'm showing you, that's somebody else's This work. is from Andy Andrews? Yeah. Okay. He's a, he's a Christian speaker, but he brings it Mm-mm. in a way I hear. You know, that he speaks in a frequency that talks to me. Uh, but like what this somebody made this for me that's so because I always go thank you for allowing me to participate in my recovery because when I was stumbling around for four years a guy looked at me and he was kind of tired of my shit you know he's been sober quite some time and he was trying to help me and he had a great he's got a golden heart I never take a word thing away from him he's great dude he's still sober today I think he just celebrated 32 years I think uh, and he was a little frustrated with me one night because mm-hmm. this dumb newcomer, right, just keeps on blocking and parrying everything he's telling. I can't do that. Well, I can't, you know, how am I supposed to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you need to go to a meeting every day. <laughs> I'm a busy dude, man. Mm-hmm. I got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, the thing is, Dan, and I don't remember he if he, he point, put his finger at my nose. And he said, the thing is, Dan, you must participate in your own recovery. And when I finally hit this wall, I took those words to heart. And that's why I go to a big book study and hold a retreat and make wooden token. That's I make those things, too. That's my representation of it. Of uh, there's my t- We give away monthly tokens, so the, all 12 of them are on there and uh, participate in my recovery. That's why I do this podcast. Yeah. To keep it forefront, to keep. To, to take the heart of what the words in there says that anything I put in front of my recovery, I'm going to lose and make sure that this is that, that me and my recovery are on the front, on the firing line every day. I feel it like just sitting at this table with the, um, crystals and the, yeah, the, the paraphernalia of recovery yeah, around is, it. Is. I've like, I yeah, feel I used to really like the gimmicks, man. They, I they, love it. I still like them, but you know, it's like new toys. It's they've, they've lost their luster over time. Right. I the like crystal, crystal ball, ball here. Like, did you get a crystal ball when you got here? What does that mean? Like, I can tell sometimes what the future is going to hold if I make a decision here. <laughs> According to what decision I make, I, my crystal ball will tell me what's going to happen. Uh, and that little thing, sometimes my crystal ball is, works for you. Not necessarily you, but my new guy. Okay. You know, if you will follow this path, you're going to get better. Interesting. My crystal ball, I have one. Yeah. And I can see the future a little bit. I have some, you know, uh, Bill talks about a sixth sense or a, living in a fourth dimension. 
uh, I kind of that's my analogy to this okay. to, to that that there's something going on that's bigger than me. It's not I Dan. Yeah, I'll be real quick to tell everybody this is not Dan Reeves. Yeah. This yeah. is living a twelve-step lifestyle, and those that came before me have taught me how to do it. Yeah. So I don't take any credit for for any of these sayings or different things. That's these teachings. I'm yeah. just trying to carry them on, and I like the crystal ball one. I think becoming a new parent has really opened my eyes oh, yeah. to feeling God because oh, yeah. it's you like see God look at a child. Yeah, and it's like I don't. I'm influential to him per like keeping him alive and shit, right? Or structure in his life, whatever, right? But then like the little decisions that he'll make daily, like I don't have control over that, like over his curiosity and um, over his decision to come give me a hug versus go after a toy. You know, it's like, it's very fucking amazing to watch him just be, you know? And I don't really have this like a mental capacity power to be like come over here give me a hug you know it's like and then he's getting bigger like every fucking day he's bigger you know and he's like this little you know man cub now he's like this little i don't know if he's an infant or a child or i mean a toddler like a child toddler yeah oh god yeah i think that's the point where you turn into a toddler is it? I don't know, Lance. I don't know either. either. I don't. Uh, that motherfucker started seems walking to me out. toddling around. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Well, he started doing that nine months old. Really wow. And then, so it was just like amazing to see this fucking little nothing inside of his mom's uterus yeah, that evolved into like what I'm looking at now. And I didn't really do that. Yeah. I didn't do that growing stage, you know? Like all that shit's happening in his body like it ain't me doing it yeah and like it's just um man i think yeah, god is real from the pictures and it was you present to birth oh god yeah yeah, yeah. But not everybody is uh i figured you were in sobriety but i didn't want to make any assumptions no i was uh, yes and you know and it goes from these photographs of this ev- evolution of these this unbelievable imagery with it they can provide and you see this little thing growing, and next thing you know, man, and it pops, and <laughs> however it comes out, whichever way that God decided for this particular event, whether if it come out or vagina or if it was a cesarean or whatever, yeah, this little little bitty human pops out. Yeah, you know, it's like where did the fuck that come from? <laughs> right, and then they just hand it over to yeah, you, like hand, here, yeah, here, here. This I is don't yours. know, you don't know how to do this, yep. but here, yep. and there's no book. And right. There's no manual. You can't get online and go, okay, 1998 Honda Civic. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> what model is my kid? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always joke around. I'm a 1969 model. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. I like our years we were born as being our model years. It's true, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and then you watch them and, and they, you know, that's kind of, we teach that in TSSR, you know, it's born perfect and pure. You know, I mean, there's not a thing wrong with that. Like he is, there's no prejudice. Any decision he makes, it's not based off prejudice. It's just based off curiosity. Yeah. And it's so fucking fast. He's a fascinating creature. Yeah. It's really awesome to watch. What our job is is to to cultivate that spirit, that freedom, that curiosity, that free spirit that's inside of him, and do our best to help keep it from getting stomped on. Yes, spirit. I want him. So, I just want it to be happy. I just yeah, want it to. And be I think happy. that's what we say when we say spiritually sick. That yeah. our spirit, we're born with a perfect and pure spirit when we're a little kid, and life 
steps on our spirit and kicks it around and creates sure. this sickness in our very spirit. Right. Doesn't have anything to do with the religion. Yeah. It is the spirit, the soul, the essence that is me, that there is not another one of me. There's not another one of your son. There's not another one of you. A perfect, completely unique spirit that is born and created here to come out here and do this thing called life. Yeah. And... And I'm really excited for that part of the spiritual growth in him because of the principles that I've learned in um, recovery, you know, because they're good principles, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, and the freedom to choose yeah, once again, you know. Yeah. Was one of my problems with religion was I thought that I had to get into somebody's box, you know. There was this box called this Catholicism box called people were telling me I needed to, and I, and I couldn't believe that all of them were right. That means somebody's wrong. Right. <laughs> I don't want to get in the wrong box. <laughs> right, right. Uh, turns out they're all right is the way I feel about it. They just got different colored ribbon tied around it. Yeah. And you got to find your ribbon. And I found my ribbon is a lot of pulling from whatever I can find. Right. Draw from any ancient spiritual teaching that I can get my hands on. I don't have to pick. I get to create my own. I tell my new guys, we're going to go to the store and get a bottle of a jug of modeling clay. And you're going to get to recreate your higher power from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to listen to what everybody taught you about what is and what ain't. And to yeah. be able to raise your kids that way and to teach them, that, to me, that's world-changing shit. Yeah. That's how we change the world. For sure, dude. And I was whenever you were just saying that, I was thinking about the part in um, that book, the big book in um, Bill's story, whenever... Um, fuck when he's like with Ebby and he's like there was no human power in me at all which was none or something like that and it's like um insinuating that there's no human power like I like and I can agree with that like there was no human power in me to stop drinking like it was there was something more that I needed because I, I tried to attempt to stop on my own I wasn't successful and like looking at my son <clears throat> where it's like I have a heart and he has a heart and his heart is beating quicker than mine because he's a toddler, I guess, whatever. And we have the same blood flow, you know, we have the same organs, like we're essentially human, we're essentially the same, but it's like, like I didn't create that for real. And um, like, I don't believe that my son Amari created himself either. I just don't believe that. Like there was something bigger, you know. And even in like one spiritual, um, spiritual growing, because <clears throat> I think a lot of people do struggle with that in recovery, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is an important topic. That um, I think it's just what helped me was just knowing that it wasn't me, you know. Like because if I could have humanly done it myself, I would have done it. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, again, I, I will not profess any kind of knowledge of what it was, but it wasn't me. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Best I could do is go to jail and get DUIs and yep. just fuck my shit up, you know, like be a heroin addict. <laughs> that was the best I could do. Yeah. I needed so much more and I needed so much more help and I got it. Yeah. It's yep. really it's special to have it. Yeah. And it is exciting to have. I'm always excited to watch, uh, you know, I was a. My kids were eight and ten when I got sober. They were how old? Eight and ten. And, oh fuck! Uh, yeah, and I did a substantial amount of damage. I wasn't a monster. By no means was I a monster. But I, I own, 
my moodiness you know you don't know oh, yeah. dad when if dad's going to be nice or if yeah. he's going to be mean yeah if he's going to be awake or if he's going to be asleep he's right. gonna, you know you just they didn't know what they were getting with me you know, yeah. and I'm and I, I almost can say with 100% certainty that your son sees a consistency in his father. He's pretty much just going to, I know we're not perfect. Right, right. But he can pretty well rely on a similar kind of reaction to whatever happens, whatever stimulus jumps in your all's universe. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have to wonder about what's dad's fucking reaction going to be about this. Yeah. Uh, he can grab your leg and know that he can hang on to you and yeah. that's a safe place to be. That's exactly thing. what I want to create for him. That's why you know, I'm getting divorced. Watch my guys have kids that, you know, I love. I've been sober long enough that I've had sponsees get, have children, you know, and, and I get to watch that and like the difference in the father because I wasn't a sober father, you know. So I can, I see that difference and get to watch uh, a, a brand new kind of human be brought up. But, you know, uh, again, I'll start thinking I got more power than I really do when I grab a hold of that too tight. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I'm guardrails. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I can be a reasonable set of guardrails. I think I can't you are. Keep them, I can't keep them in the middle of the road, but hopefully I can keep them out of the ditch. Yeah, you can. Well, uh, you are. Yeah. But you I armed my kids with the facts about myself as we say and I told him that you know you I was completely clear and clean with them about what happened to their father uh, and explained to him someday you're going to get a chance to experiment with drugs and alcohol someday you will it's not an if it's a win oh, and you're going to have to make this choice about whether and I'm going to tell you this you don't know it's Russian roulette mm-hmm. you may not like it and you may stay away from it the rest of your life. You may choose to say no, stay away from it the rest of your life. But you also might choose to say yes, and it was going to grab you up and do things with you that you did not intend to happen. And I just want you to know that. And I repeat, you know, not to kill them with it, but I made sure they were aware of that. And my son is a, my 19-year-old son is a teetotaler. You know, he saw what happened to his dad hurt him tried it tried some dope and didn't like it smoking you know marijuana tried a little drinking didn't like it thank god i'm pretty damn sure he's telling me the truth uh my daughter tried it and loved it Mm. and it you know at least it didn't sweep her away you know at 17 she's still here with us uh we uh you know it's kind of like this thing about like this is uh being able to put it into per- I have the ability we, we have the ability to per- put this into permanent remission you know we're not cured but we do have that if I do what I'm if I do that's very things, empowering I can put this you know permanent uh, remission I love that uh, I think that and that's kind of what I coach and that's what I tell her you know and, and now and then I watch her and she comes in I don't think there's a thing more heartwarming in the fucking world, dude, than have your daughter come in and sit down and talk about, like, the joys of early recovery and, like, cry about the friends she's making. She had no idea Wow. about how, you like, these people really mean it, Dad. Mm-hmm. These wow. Women, you know, we went over and I was over. We went to a meeting this morning and we went over to so-and-so's house and we did hair and we did makeup and we, you know, and, yeah. and, and had a great day sober, yeah. Yeah. you know, and she comes in and I was like, wow, man, you know, and I, I had a moment 
like how to respond to that, right? Right. Because everything in me wanted to say, I told you so. Oh, for real? That was the wrong (laughs) thing to say. You know, because I do know, and I did tell you, if you will do this, your life is going to get better. Yeah. And she's doing it, and her life's getting better. Well, so but that's not my words to say today. My words to say today is I am so happy for you. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Oh, yes. Not I told you so. No. You're creating a more safe environment, I feel, yep. by creating that, you know, connection. Yep. I'm proud of you. And you know, I kind of wonder, too, you know, how long, you know, she's, she's been toying around for a while, but, like, you know, did I not that I'll just speak freely maybe I needed to be my 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 sobriety needed to be this mature before she could see that it was real and come to me and ask for it mm. you know maybe if I'd have been three or sober that's not enough proof. You know, we, we get sober it. and we expect our people around us to be it's changed in six right. months yeah, Hell, I've yeah. been sober 90 days what's wrong with her right yeah <laughs> Yeah, catch up. Yeah, I'm, it's like no. This is this is this is long haul stuff. Yeah, and people don't. You're you know, doing you evident don't work back until the till till a significant. I don't know what that is, but until a significant amount of time has gone by, and and I think about what a miracle it is to uh, that 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 she had the ability to come ask for help. You're doing uh, like illustrative work, like she can see it. Yeah, you know, and she knows what I'm doing. She sometimes will sit and say, "Can I sit in on a podcast?" Oh no, shit! Yeah, and she'll that's so and cool. She'll just listen, you know. And that's uh, awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. Her sponsor came and sat in that chair one night, and she the first time it's actually somebody told me that you should get her on the show, and I said, nah, I don't feel right about that, man. It feels yeah. like an intrusion a little bit too much, you know. I was like, later maybe. You know, and then she called me and she said, "Hey, I'd like to be on your podcast." <laughs> your daughter did. No, that's the sponsor. Why. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, "Well," and she goes, "And I got an idea." And I said, "What?" She said, "Let's let me and Chris are just starting out, and she'll get to know, she'll get to hear a lot of my story because you know you're limited with what you can talk about in your that's sessions. That's true too. So why don't she? Why don't we have her sit in? And I was like, "That sounds like a good." How idea. did it go? And it went great. Really? Yeah, super, super great, man. I, you know, just more miracles, man. No, and I don't want the show to be, you know, I get caught up talking about my stuff, and, you know, because that's the only thing I got, right? It's my experience. Only thing you've got to talk about is your experience, right? Uh, I don't have anything else. I talk about some other people's stuff, I guess. Uh, but I wondered about, like, how was my 17-year-old daughter going to find a sponsor in her age range? Right. Because no, that's not a requirement, but it's helpful. It's pretty, yeah, helpful. Uh, I probably wouldn't have went and got a 20-year-older-than-me sponsor. Probably wouldn't be able to do that. They wouldn't re- They wouldn't relate to me, you know. Not that they had. That's also a false requirement. But a 24-year-old female uh-huh. fell out of the ceiling, you know, and landed in a meeting with my daughter, and they hit it off, you know. And there, once again, this power that's greater than me did something that I don't understand. And my, you know, I keep on, you know, somehow that power, that power greater than me and the support I have around me has allowed me to like be the, the right amount of in and the right amount of out. Mm -hmm. Like I can't get in her shit 
too much. Yeah, just hard to do. I would assume as a father. But yeah, it's that's hard too. Yeah, we do hard shit and, and yeah. finding that balance and just amount, just how much recovery do you, how much, how much um, the dad is in her recovery. That's tough. Crazy. You'll figure it out. I think yeah. you're doing a great job already. You, then. Yeah, because that am. sounds really fucking difficult. Do you doubt to yourself navigate. every day? Huh? Don't you doubt yourself every day? Uh, sometimes I'm too right. tired to. I'm right. like, I don't know. I did the best I could. <laughs> That's what I keep telling myself too, man. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Yeah. Alcoholism is just a beautiful tragedy, you know? That's a great term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful to watch your daughter, you know, at that age be exposed to the the good side of recovery you know i think about that too you know uh how old were you when you got sober uh 23 that's fucking great dude because you got uh, like i'm 45 and i don't know you know again i'm making judgment which i learned is not a great thing but i still judge that that gives you this many more years to practice these principles and be a better influence on the world yeah and you know, have a positive impact on your stay here. Yeah. Um, where, you know, at 45, I, you know, so I love seeing people when they're younger uh, get these tools in their hip pocket because it's kind of like one of the things that there's another joke I heard said, you know, whatever it was, second or third grade when they handed out the guidebook on how to do life. I must mm-hmm. have been absent that day because <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. And this has given me a, a way to do life and mm-hmm. some operational procedures, mm-hmm. which uh you know, I work well with that, you know, uh, under some guidance. Yeah. Uh, I don't work well free flowing. Uh, me neither. And this gives me that. And then to see her get these tools and a guy like you to get these tools and, um, been fortunate enough to have some younger people come ask for my help and to watch them get these tools at, uh, at, you know, at, a younger age yeah that was something i was really actually discouraged you know being young getting sober and um i can see it a lot of other people said they have been sober or gotten sober so many times and went to treatment centers so many different times and i thought that i was never gonna get it because it was only my first time dealing with this shit and um i just really thought i wasn't gonna make it you know it's uh, unique too, though, because mm-hmm. it didn't sound. I mean, like when you, when the surrender happened and you made the decision, it sounded like you carried on. I had right? a decided heart. Uh, it's, my, my experience is most people stumble out of the gates. You know, they'll come in and they'll yep get a white chip and you know, yeah and next thing you know they're back again with the nut yeah. or they get 90 60 whatever you know yeah. and they stumble out of gates until they finally at some point some magic happens the mirror keep coming back till the miracle happens mm-hmm. and at some point they begin to get some traction some for some yeah. reason and that's my story too for mm-hmm. four years really i couldn't get any traction wow. i'd start getting traction and life would change in some circumstances and i'd lose it and then i'd be drunk again or high again and then wow i'd come back and i'd do it again so like yeah. I said, and i feel fortunate it was only four years right but, wow. um you know it's a well i heard somebody call it one chip wonder Mm-hmm. You only got one 24-hour chip. Mm-hmm. I had a bag of them. Did you? <laughs> I had a pretty significant little chunk of tokens um, that were stumbling out of the gate, false starts or whatever. You know. I just think that's so admirable, you know. Yeah, but I look at you like getting it right off is that way rather than 
Yeah. I couldn't imagine going through that, though. Like, you know, I couldn't imagine drinking again and, like, trying to get sober again. That would be... I don't know if I could do it. I almost today have a feeling I have a that I didn't really ever relapse. Because, like, if I relapse now, I call that relapse. Yeah. I haven't been through the work, and I haven't been handed the toolbox sure, yet. Sure, you know? sure, uh, I was attempting to try to get my hands on sure. the toolbox, and it just kept on slipping out of my fingers. Right. That thing, you know, how I'm sure... It's just not ready yet. Yeah. Uh, I hear people say that. So-and-so's, I don't think he's ready. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <sighs> Excuse me. My, this this year's allergies is blowing me away. Uh, I, I've had some other people say it, too. My Becky at lunch was talking about it. Uh, my nose will not stop running. Um, yeah, and the other thing is, is yeah, it takes what it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it <laughs> takes what it takes. It took me uh, that many false starts, and, and that's why those actual tokens on that AA thing right there are actually my first 12 months of recovery and me getting to walk up in front of my support group and be cheered on while I got another month. That's you know? so cool, Dan. Uh, now I stand in the, you know, I'm sitting in the stands doing the cheering on for the next guy as he walks along and gets his one month, and, uh, you know, their 24-hour chip, and then they got 30 days, and then... Ding, ding, ding. And then next thing you know, man, we're celebrating a year and uh, people picking it up. There's nothing that fills my soul more than being able to play a part in that with somebody, anybody's life. That's what, you know, uh, Tanner's got his 365 and, you know, and he's sitting, you know, when? And he went in my notebook because I wanted to go be there. He was there. I was there. Yeah. And it, because it fills my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think he'll actually ever know actually what it means to me that he actually tried to break up with me, you know, at one point because I was going through some shit as like, you know, and uh, I was like, bitch, you ain't going anywhere. Like, you're not going to try to run. And of course, I like sponsored him and I was like, you know, I would just encourage you to look at the pattern of behavior that you're doing. You know, you're always trying to run away from something good. You know, like, what does that mean to you? You know, like you don't have to keep destructing your life. Like it's okay. Like I'm going to be right here and quit making it weird and just show up and read the book with me, you know, like <laughs> quit making it weird. Yeah. Like it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> um, you know, I've never saved one of these really give yeah. away. I always, yeah. Yeah. It's usually the family members. Those are actually my year ones. Those are my t- month ones, but those aren't actually my year. But really? I have them. I have another shrine so in my cool. bedroom. I think I want to do something like this. I'll make you one if you want one. And it's so great to be next to, like, a recovery, but, like, I don't know. It's exciting right now. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yep. It's exciting to me, too. And that's, you know, but then, you know, at some level, uh, I, I take that action I'm a person of action I, I take action in order to keep it exciting because I can it's easy to rest on our laurels <laughs> oh my god yeah I'm professional but that. that's what that four years taught me you know that struggle taught me a lot about that decided heart stuff and that being persistent and you know because I certainly was not that and it didn't work yeah uh Let's actually try. Yeah. Let's actually do what these people are suggesting. Yeah. See if it'll work. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty convinced, I feel, 
in the beginning. You know, I think it's because I was so curiously attracted to how they don't look like the average heroin addict. You know, they like they're like successful. Um, like they have jobs and they get up in the morning. And yeah, they're yeah. Not searching for the next one. Today. And they're just like genuine people, you know. And uh, my experience was it wasn't fabricated. You know, it was very authentic, authentic. and um, came from a place of good. So um, I'm just glad that that's how it was <laughs> i'm glad that's how it is for yeah i am uh i mean it really is it's a it's miracle stuff that we got to escape from that and we got this extra chance mm-hmm. to do it different and then help other people do the same it is truly a miracle yeah could you imagine if you could catch cancer and get rid of it and then go help somebody else get healed from cancer mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. uh, in the way that we can do this mm-hmm. Yeah, that permanent remission thing. Yeah, I mean, this is a disease. This is a mental disease. Is what it is, and we can put it in permanent remission and help other people do the same thing. And that mm-hmm. is a fucking miracle. Because mm-hmm. we watch people die every week. If you're in the right places every day, mm-hmm. or the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, not a week goes by that I don't know somebody some degrees away from me you know the old seven degrees away from Kevin Bacon thing or whatever it was I can't remember if there's not somebody several degrees away from me knows somebody died from this disease yeah a week it goes by that that doesn't happen it's very humbling to be sober still and you said something earlier about that you know that that, uh, the the phrase that somebody said is uh, some must die so that others of us will live Mm -hmm. I hate that saying yeah but it appears to be a little true yeah because uh, we're really a number in this statistic. And the statistics honestly. are against us. Yeah, and we're not really supposed to be here and be sober. Um, so it's very humbling to be a part of the good side of that statistic still. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's our job to keep the statistics going. <laughs> it, yeah, I do. I have a responsibility to do yeah. that. Very grateful for the responsibility. Dude, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love it. I get high doing this, man. Yeah. I get a little worried sometimes. I'm like, oh shit, did we yeah, just no, relapse? This is, this is, <laughs> yeah, I had to reset my sobriety day. Uh, yep, I do. And I, but again, man, it fills my heart. And I need this today in order to keep moving forward. This is, I, f- I found my medicine. So mm-hmm. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and this is just a piece of it. But I love talking recovery. Guys, my lady I went to lunch with today, because I can talk, man. <laughs> There's just no way I can kind of tell from you, too. Yeah, you, you got no yeah. lack of words. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a listener. I'm an engager, you know. Uh, yeah, I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Uh, with. Right. But she's like, you know, you're a guy I could sit here for six hours and talk at lunch, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, we could, you know. But at some point, we're going to blow a whistle because there's something else going on. What usually happens is right about the two-hour mark, I'll feel this, like, run out of, you know, the, the, um, a feeling of completion. The juice has, yeah. There's a completion. It's not like a bad negative thing. And also, at about two hours after I've drank those two bottles of water, I got to pee. I'm starting to feel <laughs> the urination needing to expel my yeah, body. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, too, like people talk about how long the podcasts are sometimes, you know, and uh, they have a pause button. Do people ever like listen to the whole thing? Oh, do you fuck know? yeah. They listen to this whole two hour talk? Oh, fuck yeah. There'll be a bunch of people listening to this whole two hour talk. No. As soon as way. it comes out. 
There no will way. Be people, this will come out Sunday morning at 5 a.m. Yeah. And people will listen to it when they wake up, and it'll be their Sunday morning routine to 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 tune into some tune in spiritual po- underground podcast and listen. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. All right. Well, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now they may not get to it till Monday night. Yeah. They may not get to it till uh, some people. Have, I've talked to some people who have discovered it. You know, lately, let's say. Mm-hmm. And they went to the beginning, you know, and yeah. listening their way forward. So no they're, way. You know, they're still listening to that's fucking cool, Dan. Yeah, and it grows, and it's a momentum thing, and that's what it's interesting to watch this podcast stuff go on and how it works because it's a it's a moment, you know, recovery's momentum. Right on, right? yeah. At first, you're like, oh god, damn, can't get a day, right? I mean, oh man, it stays over today. It was huge, yeah. Uh, and you start getting momentum, and the podcast kind of is the same thing as people. Is it? gets listened to and you'll tell a couple people about it because you know you'll say hey man i was on this podcast every day and they'll say, oh yeah what was it and then they'll listen and, and they might like it and, you know let's say six of your friends listen and three like it well yeah. there's three new guys or gals gonna listen right and then they'll tell somebody and it slowly uh has snowballed into something that's awesome it's pretty cool another way i get to you I say, God keeps providing providing me with these unique ways to participate in my recovery. And these are like fun things, right? This is not just going to a fucking meeting. Meetings are great. (laughs) Sure. But you get to do something. This is kind of cool. Yeah. This is like laid back and chill and act all smart and shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Act all smart and shit. Yeah. Uh, This is a cool vibe. I've never done anything like this. And, um, when I heard about it, I just thought, what a unique channel of communication to outreach people that need a little ear of recovery and to know that you're worth it and you're worth trying to do it, you know, and you're worth failing if you fail, if you feel you fail and you're worth trying again. And, um, man, a beautiful tragedy. It's just, I I love recovery. I've grown to respect alcoholism as an entity itself and um, just be respectful to the um, kind of the cons of alcoholism, such as death. Um, I don't know. And just still just try to be humble that I got to be sober again. You know, it's just out of all the things of the reasons why I shouldn't be sober, I still am. It's fucking yeah. crazy. I like it. Uh, the bit stand, you know, gets humility becomes to be a little bit of a thing, like with the podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> staying humble. Oh, really? And, and oh, yeah. I guess I can see that. So, like, I went to the Kentucky State Convention, and some people knew who I was. You know, no shit because of the podcast. podcast yeah, no shit. One over here in Louisville here just not long ago. That's cool. And you get you know, and then but I, you know, and there's a line in there that says, it, and it's talking about prayer, but I can use that how I want to and it says if you have the proper attitude you cannot fail and my sponsor taught me that the proper attitude they're talking about is humility mm-hmm. if you maintain your humility you cannot fail you've got to remain humble here and it's yeah. kind of hard well, alcoholics egos run away with them they think they are something special all of a sudden that is a, <laughs> and this podcast will kind of trick me into thinking when you said cons like death my mind went cons like con jobs like oh my God. conning me into <laughs> yeah. I'm bigger than I am or uh, and that is the same thing alcoholism will con me into thinking shit 
and it has some cons that come with it too but we'll have to blow the whistle on this here soon or else we'll just keep doing it and doing it yeah thank you very much man and i've enjoyed getting to know you that's the one thing that like i walk away from everybody i love like when i get a new guest my first bunch of people were people i knew right because mm-hmm. i'm inviting my friends to come over yeah and as it's grown i get to meet new people uh that i don't know and every single time and uh you know i'll walk away we walk away i have a new friend and a new battle buddy in this battle against this disease of alcoholism and uh and i've gotten to know you better and there's a guy that said addiction the connection is the opposite of addiction right right yeah and we've gotten to connect tonight yeah and that it's going to help both of us thank you so much another day yeah thank you for allowing me the space to connect with you um with recovery and just connect with connection because sometimes i really do struggle with that especially lately so Thank you for just helping me to sit still for two hours. I yeah. think I don't remember the last time I did that. Yeah. And you get that opportunity too. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was an honor and yeah, it was, it was really cool. Well, thank you. I always close it up with a couple things. Okay. Uh, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And I just want to thank everybody out there for allowing Alex and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner tonight. Yes, sir. Peace out. Thank you. Love you.